500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds G'day everyone, and for those who came in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 135, Comics and News, and uh, my name is Dan Fraser, and today I'm joined by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jim? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yourself? Um, you're a year older since last time I spoke to you. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. Celebrated a birthday in between our last podcast, um, which was, you know, nice. In the sense that you know, another year, more grey hairs, or go bald, or whatever way, however way you show your age. Oh, you're <laughs> one step closer to being a forecast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, it's one step closer <laughs> to being a grumpy old forecast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to work out what exactly is the uh, correct age uh, where you cross the line. I think it's different times for different people, but uh, you must be getting close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, Oh, and also the other key is when I start pressing control plus on the run sheet so I can actually see what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right. uh, well, so episode 135, um, we've, it's actually been a few um, podcasts since we've spoken together because there's been um, the podcast from Norway and there's been the um, recordings of the uh, Brisbane Supernova, and prior to that, there was the interview with Billy Zane, of course, and I'll come to that in a moment, but um, we didn't and really talk Sean on that podcast Bassett prior to well, that. There was Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah, so um, just keen to, to catch up, and, and obviously, I think um, for both of us, surely the highlight of the last month or two um, is that conversation with Billy Zane. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, it was, you know, it was, I was in the, uh, when I got the phone call, I was, in the crèche at church, looking after, <laughs> you know, looking after Poppy. So, uh, you know, quickly sped home. Uh, you know, pulled, as soon as church finished, I said, oh, "We're going straight away." Abby was yep. like, "But I want some food." I said, "No, are we going home?" I <laughs> um, got the wife and said, "Quick, we've got to do a quick swap." So, you know, she graciously uh, gave us gave me time to and took the kids out to McDonald's or, or somewhere like that. And um, <laughs> so I would have the house to myself to be able to talk to Billy and unlike, uh, and so I didn't have to have the noisy kids around. Unlike uh, other. <laughs> Poor old Steve. Uh, I think he's not here with us tonight. I think we caught him at the showgrounds. Um, and it was some bloody hard. And you, uh, you could hear his kids from time to time uh, through the podcast, but uh, it didn't detract from the overall conversation. I didn't think. No, no. So, you know, it, it, from, you know, for me and Stephen, it was a small taste, I guess, of what a lot of other fans got to do. Um, you know, you, yourself, you, you're lucky to actually share a room with just, you know, Billy and yourself and, and, and stuff like that. We won't ask what happened before and after the podcast. <laughs> um, but no, so I, I, I guess... A lot of people who didn't go or even the people that did go, they got maybe 20 seconds with him while he was scribbling on some of their items. So 
for yourself who actually probably got to spend more time with him than the average fan, I've got a couple of questions for you as we just reflect on okay. this. Uh, so h- how did you find he was with like the fans? Like, you know, obviously, you know, people give him four or five things at once and he's scribbling away and stuff. And so, you know, there's maybe 20, 20 seconds to a minute. Was he, you know, was he chatty with people or, you know, like how, how, for the, you know, how, how was he with the fans? Yeah, I, he was quite chatty with people far more than, um, uh, than what uh, I'd been led to expect, I guess, from yep. um, everything we'd heard about him um, from guys in America through to Sean, who recorded for us at Adelaide, you know, what he sort of said about the, uh, you know, the, the conveyor belt or the, the factory line that you were, yeah. you know, on to get the signatures. Um, it didn't feel like that. He, it, he seemed more uh, generous with his time. Um, yeah. Uh, it felt like a couple of minutes. Um, there, w- there was opportunity for a genuine conversation. I saw him do that with multiple people just uh, yeah. um, a- a- throughout the weekend. He was quite good. He was quite- yeah, the photos no, were very quick, yeah. but the, the signing of stuff was yeah. uh, was quite good. I guess, you know, we've been, and Sean did point this out in his um, brief little podcast, which, you know, huge shout out to Sean for that. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he is there to make money. He's there to charge and stuff like that. So, I, I, you know, we're, we've been used to, I guess, you know, standing by someone and hanging around and talking to them for an hour and monopolising their time and stuff. So it would have been a little bit different than what we're used to. Yeah, and like I could I could stand to be corrected on this, but my understanding of the financial arrangement is that um, Billy Zane gets a flat fee, whatever that might be. And yeah. so then for the six days across the two supernovas, he's basically supernovas property. And they say, right, you need to be here signing yeah. autographs and you need to get as many done as you can. Um, and so t- in a sense to him, it's not like a, every signature is getting him money. He's already got his money. And I think yeah. that's where we probably um, worked it well so that we ended up talking to him sort of straight after lunch on Sunday. I caught him at his second last signing session and yeah. uh, towards the end of that. And so by that stage, he's, I think he was a little bit, well, I've given Supernova my time. Um, you know, yeah. he, he might have felt like he'd already earned his fee, so to speak. Uh, so that was, it, yeah, it yeah, certainly yeah. felt at the time, like the Supernova folk weren't really happy with the time that he gave us. Um, and they would have, because he, he was delayed to a signature session. But um, <laughs> probably a few and, fans that weren't, wouldn't have been happy either. Where is this? Yeah, guy? <laughs> maybe not. But I, but I rationalized to myself that if you haven't got his signature by um, his last session on the Sunday, then it's your own fault. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, I think that, uh, that and he genuinely was keen for us to keep talking and, uh, and yeah, yeah. Give us the time. So super generous with us and with all the fans. It was my experience. Yeah. With him anyway. Now, a lot of, I, when I was talking to him, you know, on the podcast and, you know, he's just, it was just a voice over the phone, but he seemed genuine about his love of the fan. And when you, cause you, you would have been there for a lot of the time when he was talking to other fans and stuff like that was, could you sense that love when he was talking to other, other people? Yeah, I did. And I think it, um, certainly uh, when he was talking and and that's what I picked up probably more from the reports of other people uh, because I wasn't standing by their shoulder when he talked to them, but um, lots of people that I talked to who had talked to him um, were, were um, pleased with the time that he gave them and and all the rest of it. Um, uh, There was an occasion, um, you know, 
that uh, I'm aware of someone who didn't have a pleasant, um, uh, I guess, interaction with him. But that was, I guess, when he was off the clock. If you like, if, if you say, yeah. you know, as I said, with the three days of contracting to Supernova, I know of someone who spoke to him when he was around about knock-off time, if you like. Yeah. And that wasn't a super pleasant conversation. But um, yeah. anyone who spoke to him while he was on the clock, as far as I know, had a really good yeah. 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 Cool. No, so it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and the petition's yeah. doing pretty well as well. Uh, yeah. Um, I think last time I saw it, it was what, about 800 or what was it? Yeah, it's a tick over 800 at the moment, which is going along well. Um, I know that there is people who are, uh, you know, poo-pooing the idea about, you know, how many might it actually take. I've got no idea, but it's something we're doing. And uh, it's at 800 at the moment. I'm sure, you know, Fru have advertised it in the latest episode, uh, latest episode, a uh, latest issue um, of the, the regular fandom comic in Australia, which is, which is awesome. It's getting a lot of traction online. Uh, statistically, it's got more a lot more shares per signature than most change.org petitions. So I think it's yeah. going well. Yeah, it's a slow burn, but um, you know we've been waiting 20 years, and um, yeah. who, who knows where it'll go? Who knows? And I, th- I think that's the key. Like, yeah, we might have to get to a million, but it has to start somewhere. It may get to a million. It may not. This may just fizzle out and it, stay, it stays at 850 for the next next yeah. four years or whatever. But you know, instead of poo-pooing the idea, how about you just get on board, just share it, and just grow up. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I'm getting a little bit over some of the trolls that we're having to deal with on um, on Facebook at the moment. Maybe it's just that I am that year older and I'm getting grouchy. But you know, <laughs> like, um, just I think um, just get like, on board. Um... And if you don't want to sign it, don't worry about it. Don't say anything. As your mum always said to you, if you've got nothing nice to say. Don't say anything at all. So come on, mate. come on, guys. <laughs> well, um, I, I might have to say the same thing to you as I said to Paul Mason at the end of the Brisbane Supernova. Um, sometimes you you've just got to ignore those voices and concentrate on the on the good ones. And uh, there's a lot fewer trolls than there are people who compliment it or share it. Obviously, so um, yeah. yeah. What, what, did, what did Paul say? Chronicle, Chronicle Chamber is good for the soul. So let's just focus <laughs> on what we do. <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't give them too much airtime. So we'll move on with some of the other news. I reckon. Anyway, the, the the link to the petition is in the show notes for this. So um, go down and um, uh, sign the petition to say you you want a new Phantom movie if you haven't already. Yeah, um, but we do need you, to move on. And we're looking at you, Andreas and Mikel Sol to get uh, <laughs> the mention in the Phantom Men magazine. Uh, Fru's done it, um, and you know it's been shared quite elsewhere. We're looking at Phantom Men magazine to share it in there. Yep. next issue as well i'm sure they will i'm sure they will uh because they're only going to benefit from a new new movie as well so anyway other publisher news so that's some publisher news we'd love to see is Funtelman uh sharing uh, the link to the petition other news that is actually current and we know is happening we'll start with through in australia because this is actually really big news yes. in the world of phantom um from anyone ever so it, we've got to go with it and that's obviously the through getting on board with the digital release of their comics through the Comicsology app and website. Um, really exciting news. When we reported it, uh, I'm going to say a month ago, three weeks ago, um, there was, I think, three, the two trade paperbacks and a giant size, perhaps, were the first three things released. Since then, a whole lot more has come on board. Giant size uh, one and two are now both on their trade paperback 
one uh, which was of course the for those who came in late and the second one was the 70th anniversary of fruit so both of those trade paperbacks are there the um sword of the caliph graphic novel kid phantom the kid phantom trade paperback as uh, as well as the individual episodes of uh, or issues of kid phantom one through four um are all available right now on comiXology most at about half the price of a regular hard cover and um, the word we've got is that the regular issues that we see once a fortnight, those will be coming onto Comixology as well at some point. So and we this is really exciting that. news, Jim. Yeah, we, we can confirm that the regular issues will be coming. Um, so no, it is it is very exciting news. Now, Egg, Egmont tried to do digital comics probably five, seven years ago, maybe, but that wasn't via Comixology. That was actually via their own app and it flopped. Where Comixology is like the big daddy and there's a lot of hoops that have to be um, gone through to be able to get it on there from Comixology point of view, but also from the the license point of view as well. Because you've got to remember the license is everything and through only have a license for uh, Australia, Asia. Or Australia Oceana. So yep. to be able to, in a sense, sell worldwide through Comicology, they would have had to renegotiate it. I, we don't know the ins and outs of that. No, um, no. That's between you know lawyers and, and stuff like that. We're not pretty to that, but we, we know enough to know that this was not something that's just chucking a PDF up there and just, you know, there would have been a lot of hoops that would have had to go on through that. So it's big news. It could be a game changer. Um, now, for yeah, a lot of a lot of the people that probably listen to this, uh, or a lot of the Australian readers, it it doesn't mean a thing for a lot of people. But for the people that are in India, the US, and we have a lot of uh, fans on social media and also that listen to the podcast, who always are saying to us. When can we buy it? When, how can we access this free issue? How can we access this? How can, you know, shipping's too expensive and all that. This is the way to be able to access it. So it's a game changer in the sense that through are going to be able to reach probably, a, they're probably going to be able to double their readership with regular Phantom fans, let alone the new people that are, that are likely to jump on board with this as well. So, mm. um, you know, this is big news. This is a huge step in the right direction from Fruit, um, and Fruit should be congratulated uh, for this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I do, I do hope that um, what happens is that people enjoy the the digital copies and then seek out the hard copies as well, because obviously, yeah. Um, now uh, that, that will happen, but for a lot of yeah, a lot of people like in the states. And in India and stuff like that, that's probably not going to happen because you know shipping. And you, you you know this because you've started shipping stuff out to people around the world and all that. Yeah. It can be quite expensive. You can be you, like, say, for instance, you can buy a twenty dollar comic, and it costs twenty dollars to actually send it over. So you yeah. you know where you can get a comic for you know a twenty dollar comic for ten dollars or twelve dollars. And it's actually on your phone or on your device and stuff like that. And a lot of people do use digital comics and stuff like that. So, yeah. I'd be interested to know that because I don't think, I suspect, and, and talking to people who are not just fandom people, I actually don't think that the uptake of digital comics is perhaps 
uh, as huge as we might expect. But the important thing is it is a market, no matter how big it is. And uh, not, I'm not, not just through, but the Phantom yeah. needs to be playing in that market. Yeah. Um, and and very, getting in front of more eyeballs and whatever spread that you can get. And if it doubles through his readership, um, then then that's fantastic. And I would hope surely that even with licensing and um, you know whatever subscription it is to Comixology for them, which would be substantial, I uh, I hope it's a significant increase in their in their profit margin. Um, yeah. That for for not a great deal extra work, I would hope because yeah. you know you're doing the hard work creating anyway. the comic and then just sending yeah. whatever digital files to Comixology. So it's hopefully in the long run, and I know it's been a huge amount of effort to get to this point, but hopefully in the long run for them, it's not very much more effort at all for a yeah. considerable reward. Yeah. So you raise an interesting point about the market for digital. So in North America alone, so this is just. US and Canada, right? For every year since 2013, they have, there's been 90,000 to a million dollars worth of sales digitally. That's just in North America. So that's not including. Which, to be fair, is going to be a huge chunk of the market. Yeah, 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 exactly. So look, Let's just, because that's the only stat we've got. That's the only stat we were able yeah. to dig out during the article. So let's just say it might be a little bit more. So let's say on average for the last six years, there's been a million dollars worth of sales in digital comics. Now, that's, yeah. a, million, oh, that's look, a million dollar reasons why to jump on board. Yeah, absolutely. Except, you know, obviously, Fru's not getting all of that. I, I, oh, I'm, no, not, right. I'm absolutely not trying to be the negative Nelly, but I'm just trying to be realistic here and say that, um, whatever percentage of a million dollars American, to be honest, yeah. that honestly doesn't sound like as much as I would have probably expected. Um, because comics and, and pop culture and that sort of thing is huge at the moment, and yeah. and all of the kids are supposed to be digital is it, natives. So, is it a hundred million or ninety million? I don't know, it's one of those I can't think of. Oh, you wrote since, the article, it's your yeah, I've been up since uh, <laughs> I've been up since like four o'clock, so. <laughs> Uh, but it's a lot of money and, and, yeah. and you're right. And like what the point that you made, it's not that much extra effort because the comics already That's digital. That's the main thing. Yeah. And, you know, if they, let's just say, let's, let's be realistic and just say it's an extra, you know, uh, you know whatever, you know, and I'm sure Fru's done their, their, their research, oh, their margins and stuff like that. And they wouldn't be doing this if they wouldn't think that it, one is going to extend their reach and they're going to make money from it. They wouldn't yeah, be doing course. this. So no, I, I, I'm, I think it's a great, um, uh, it's a great decision. I, I know that they've been working on this for a while. Um, so yeah, so all power to them. Um, so it will, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying it's uh, it's not a silver bullet, but it's, no, it's another, no way. it's another, it's another, um, Weapon in the armory, if you like. Yeah, exactly. So it's ninety yep. to a hundred million each year. So right. So um, that's more significant than that. Yeah, that's more significant. <laughs> um, All right. Anyway, whatever the numbers, um, we're not going to get bogged down in that because we need to move on. Mm. Uh, there's a lot to cover tonight with all of the comics and that sort of thing as well. As we said, we haven't spoken for a while. So um, look, to draw a line under that one. Um, Phantomet comments and uh, comics. You've um, done a bit of investigating, spoken to some people in Norway. Uh, we heard recently, uh, last podcast, about some from some yeah. regions, but 
but uh, one of the books that they were talking about, which was obviously the first trade paperback, uh, Jim, you're saying that overall the sales from that have been um, underwhelming. Yeah, it's a little bit sad, but I guess it's not, it's not, it's not a huge surprise. Um, I, I, you know, from what we understand, they've st they're still doing it for 2020 and they're just looking at, you know, what's the best formula to do that. So I don't think it's that unimpressive that they're going to cancel the series, which is good. But I think they just thought that it was going to, that the soft cover book was going to be the silver bullet for their woes. But I don't think it is. So let's, I guess let's just wait and see and what, um, decision they come up with to you know to uh to get increase the sales and um yeah so it'll be interesting to watch the space for that one yeah all right so a devil's advocate question um i'm an australian fan who enjoys reading um english language comics as it would seem <laughs> you know a poll that you've done says that probably 80 percent of the people who um 75 to 80 percent of people who engage with us on social media um, would say that they only collect comics in their native language. So I'm an Australian fan who only reads English comics. Why do I care that uh, Phantomet soft cover sales are low? Well, I guess it really depends if you, <laughs> it's a good devil's advocate question. I guess it really depends whether you want to look at the larger picture or whether you're just worried about your own backyard. Um, it's, at the end of the day, the Phantom Met probably won't affect the average free reader um, or even probably even affect the average Swedish Phantom Men reader. But at the end of the day, if, if the sales stay crap and the book gets cancelled for good, it's just another nail in the coffin. And there's enough nails in the coffin already and we need to, you know, and I'm not saying that we all need to go out and buy a copy. That's, you know, because that's not, I don't think that's the answer. But, you know, it will help. But I think the reason why, well, one of the reasons why we reported on it is because we might be Australians, but we report worldwide on the Phantom. So, yeah. you know, for the average free reader, it probably doesn't bother them in a slice. And that's fine. You don't have to read the article. You don't have to comment. But seeing we report Australia worldwide, we you know collect news from around the world and we report on it. This is a big deal for a lot of fans in Norway. You know they might have I think it's ten million um, people in Norway. No, it's I think it's less than Australia. I can't remember at the top of my head. I think Sweden's just under what Australia is. Um, so you know it, it might not be a huge population, but there's a, a rich history in Norway um, with the Phantom. And so, you know, for someone who collects the Phantom from around the world and someone who cares about the Phantom from a worldwide perspective, I think it's important to be aware of it. Good response, good response. All right, <laughs> on that note, we'll move straight on because um, I'm not gonna ask another devil's advocate question, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> 
the Luca prints, which we I think we've spoken about on the podcast before, but the 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 prints that Salvaluto and Eugenio Matozzi made available in Italy um, uh, yes. from the Luca Comics and Games Convention, um, as listeners and readers of the website certainly would know, um, we were lucky enough to be able to uh, help people in Australia get those um, and by importing in bulk and then um, selling at cost um, to patrons in the first instance and then um, the broader community. Those have sold out uh, as recently as today, Jim. Yeah, sold the last one today. So. Um back to the back to the uh, PO box I went back to the post office again for me this week um, it's exciting uh, a lot of fans have been excited about that um, I, I I guess there's a lot of artists out there that know there's a huge community with the phantom and, and stuff and they don't always have the means to be able to bring it in or to be able to sell to 20 individual phantom fans in australia so we were able to help sell in eugenio and i guess if you're a phantom artist and you're doing something similar and you want to help out you know just get in contact with us i'm sure we can help out in whatever small way we can yeah very good very good and they and there are some beautiful prints so i hope that yes. the people who've um acquired them um enjoy them so um, that said, I did skip over um, because I was typing in a different window, but I have skipped over a piece of publishing news and that's lightning strikes. I know we, uh, there'll be people who will probably roll their eyes immediately, um, <laughs> but, uh, but we, again, you, you have seen now there are some issues of lightning strikes three and four, definitely in Australia in your hands now, Jermaine. Yes. Uh, for those who are watching us via YouTube, you are seeing me. Um, so we've got issue one, which we've seen, which is the one with, um, with the Phantom and Hero and the painted style. Issue two, which is the Jamie Johnson, which we've seen that image a thousand times. Uh, and then issue three is the Doug Kaluba uh, redrawn one, which has got the short stories. So there's about one, two, three, four, five. There's about six or seven short stories in there. But people that we are that we are aware of, so there's Mike Bullock who did Moonstone, who has agreed with us as early as today. This is so fresh, I haven't even had a chance to tell Dan. Uh, he's just come back to me and said that he will. He's happy to do a podcast with us early next year. Uh, Andreas, yeah, who was that? Sorry, Erickson, was that Mike um, Collins? Uh, Mike Bullock, who Bullock. was the, the, the writer for Moonstone. So these are some yeah, cool. names that that have contributed to this comic here. Um, and then, uh, then this is issue four, which the eagle-eyed YouTube viewers will notice that he's in a red costume, um, which is something a little bit funny, but a little bit interesting, which is the Alex Suviak, um, uh sequel part, to part Part one. two to issue one? Yes. Um, so we are aware that there's been two other orders that have been received. Um, they're not up on Phantom's Vault or through, same thing, but different banner um, yet. So when we are aware that they are on there, we'll be letting everyone know, which I'm sure everyone else will be getting excited as well. Now, we're not going to be doing a podcast review on the four of these until they're on Phantom Fold or through, just purely because we want to be able to give the chance for other people to be able to read them first. 
So as soon as they're well, up there... I haven't seen them yet. So just because you've got them in your hands doesn't mean I could hold up my end of a podcast. <laughs> well, it might mean that it might be a little bit quicker if you don't get as much to say. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I don't think there's much more to say about that. We'll talk about them more in more detail yeah. when they um, become available to the wider phantom Australian community. But we just wanted to let people know that they do exist and <laughs> orders have been sent through. Started Very good. Through. All right. Now, something we haven't actually had a chance to... Oh, well, we've written about on the podcast. Uh, sorry, on the website. We've written about on the website, but not. we're not keeping up with all the updates. And uh, this is why social media is so important these days, because you can keep your finger directly on the pulse. Uh, but Wolfric Media, um, who have been in and about with the fandom community for a couple of years now, um, to, without actually producing anything, to be fair. Mm. Uh, but um, they're, they're certainly making some strong moves and, and all the action on, is on their uh, Facebook page. Uh, Wolfric Media, uh, W-U-L-F-R-I-C, for those who want to look it up, um, they have got some skull rings and some good mark rings, as well as some Jungle Patrol merchandise that's starting to, um, starting to look more and more promising, June. Yeah. Now, quick question. You've talked with him a little bit more than what I have has anything actually been I know there's been like pre-orders or, or whatever but has anything actually been um, what's the word approved by King Features the um, the the moulds of the rings which appeared on Facebook either yesterday or the day before certainly earlier this week um, so we saw pictures of I guess say an, an un finished mold like a, a casting straight out of the mold uh, obviously with some um, bumps and edges to be um, polished up and cleaned up and that sort of stuff uh, so those are being sent to king features this week and those are the items that are uh, going to be considered for approval that's my understanding okay. of the situation yeah. so how long that takes i'm not sure um, to my untrained eye looking at the the pieces myself I can't see why they wouldn't be approved. They're quite similar to other things that we have seen yeah. approved in the past. There's been worse stuff that's been approved. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, they are unique. I'm not saying that they're the same as something else that's, that's already out there, but there's, there's nothing that would, to me, stand out. It, it should be a pretty mm. straightforward approval process, I would think, um, yeah. without, without being in the King Features offices. And one day we'll get someone from King Features on here to explain themselves mm. but until that time um yeah so i'm hopeful that they'll be sooner rather than later and kelby who's the the man behind warfrick media um is increasingly confident um, and that's why he's now started um talking about hats and beanies and that sort of thing as well yeah now have you ordered a set of rings uh i haven't i must admit no and what um, about the I've... miniatures have you ordered a set of the miniatures uh, I've told Kelby, well, look, I've informally told Kelby that I'm interested in, in mm. uh, everything, but no, I haven't placed an official order. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? I won, I'm in the same boat, and I wonder whether there's a lot of other fans in a very similar boat where they're like, oh, yeah, these look really, really cool. You know, I'm interested, but I guess until there's, you know, liking a Facebook page is one thing, but then actually giving your money um, all your credit card details uh that you know yes. that will be the i guess the deciding and um so i'm an, i i haven't you know i've looked at it i'll probably get the miniatures i like the idea of the miniatures i'll probably yeah, won't get the that. rings mainly because the rings 
rings don't interest me and uh you know i'm sorry to the people out there that do but for me they don't interest me um but so that the miniatures i'll definitely be getting um but yeah rings i'll probably be on this probably won't be especially not at that mm. price mm. Yeah, and, and that's completely fair. Um, I, I do like the Jungle Patrol merch that's coming out. I like the, um, because that the dog tags are not something we've seen before and it sort of it, it marries up nicely, I guess, with what's going, mm. going on in um, with Paul Mason's Phantom in Vietnam series. Uh, sort, of, sort of nice that they're coming out together at a similar time. Um, so anyway, I, I, I like those. They're, again... Yeah on the pricey side of what I like to pay because it's, um, you know, it's hard to, to turn around to the life and say that they were $20 and sound believable. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think if, if there was suddenly a post that appeared tomorrow to say these have been approved by King features and we are now um, confirmed orders, that we will yeah. produce this if we get to our magic number, which I think is 70, um, which doesn't, you know, that's not a huge number. Um, no. so uh, yeah, I think if, if that post came out tomorrow, um, there'd be a lot of people jump on board pretty quickly. Yeah. So, I think as with probably, anything, yeah. you've got to wait for the approvals. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only concern I have with the jungle patrol merch, and this is being probably a devil's advocate is that yeah. it's not really phantom in the sense that, you know, I know it is, but it's like, it's really only going to be the probably the hardcore fans that are going to buy it because it's not a phantom's face or, or, you know, it's like, for instance, you wouldn't be able to sell it in a shop because the, you know, someone who's looking at buying something for their dad or, or whatever, is going to look at it and go jungle patrol. No, but if it was a phantom's face, they're going, Oh yeah, the phantom, I, I, I know that. So there's, there's that longer bow or there's that longer stretch of relation to the phantom so i'm a little bit concerned how that's going to um go and i think it will be to more be, hard of harder call fans to be fair though how many uh phantom merch items that are produced in the last 10 years uh have appeared in a shop yeah okay so you know, the it was more thing, of a the, yeah but okay might not be in a physical shop but you know looking online and and stuff like that yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm more bullish yeah. about them. I think that just because they haven't been offered before won't mean they won't sell. And and I actually, you know, to me, I like I love the Goodmark. You know, I I enjoy Goodmark merch. Um, the the candle that came from um, whoever that was, the hero thing, a couple of years ago. I've all I've got that turned around so the Goodmark's facing out. Um, I like the Goodmark uh, tie pin. You know, Goodmark's a really nice phantom thing for me. Yeah. And and it's on the Jungle Patrol of dog, dog tags and any of that merch. So for me, I'm keen on it. And um, you know, you don't go for rings. Other people don't go for foreign yeah, language exactly. comics. Exactly. I, I enjoy so, good yeah. So. yeah, yeah, and you know, but yeah, that, that's fine. Um, I guess we'll just see. I just yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Fair enough. All right. So the next bit of news is about the Phantom Card Game, um, a new initiative that's coming out of Sweden. Um, it's actually being um, uh, run by Mikkel Lick, who's a long-time contributor to the podcast and someone we've had many times to do reviews and stuff of the Phantomland comics from Sweden. And um, we'd really love it if he was... Hang on. Hang on. I'll just start. Sorry, Jim. I'll just get the phone. Hello. Who's this? Hello. It's Mikkel. Good day, mate. 
<laughs> Good, eh? G'day, Mikhail. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Are you doing yeah, a got... news podcast? Yes, yes you've are, got mate. impeccable timing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we, we were just starting to talk about the, the Phantom Card game that you've had um, in mind for a long, long time. Um, can you, <laughs> we're, we're very excited to hear you might have some news about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I have some uh, good news. Uh, it's still ongoing. It's uh, been, I've been working on it for quite a time, as you know. Uh, and I got some uh, great news from the license holder, the or the, I'm not sure what it's called, but the Swedish Bulls distributor. Yeah. distributor of the rights. Yeah, that I have a clear okay and I have a contract awesome. that's gonna be signed so uh, now it's just starting to plan the big uh, kickstarter Ooh, oh well. awesome so you're gonna do a kickstarter right yeah and uh before that i i mean it's still a game in progress and i'm changing a small bits here and there just to make it as easy to learn as possible and i want it uh, to be both easy for new players and hard for veterans. So I'm trying to do like three different uh, difficulty settings. Yeah, awesome. And so we, that's for we, like we, phantom game, or phantom fans, and then card professional card gamers. Yes. So there will be yeah. a level for everyone. Sweet. Sorry, Dan. No, that's right. You, um, we're going to do, do a deep dive into the card game um, when the Kickstarter starts, or just beforehand. Yes. So this is really just a teaser little conversation. Um, really looking forward to that. Um, but just quickly, you've you've got an experience in um, card games yourself, Mikel, as well as being obviously we know we know that you're a huge fan, and listeners will know that. But you've got a um, a history with playing these card games as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing card games for I don't know since uh, Magic the Gathering came out. I've been playing that, and then uh, left it for sometimes in the like when you started meeting girls and then uh, pick, <laughs> picked it up when I got kids again. <laughs> when you needed that time alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I played that game and played uh, Netrunner and uh, a Swedish, well, it was originally from Sweden, but it was big in all of Europe called Doom Trooper. So I'm an avid card gamer. And what made you, um, and, and as I said, we're going to explore all these answers in way more detail next time we talk to you, but um, what made you decide that you wanted to um, make a Phantom card game? Yeah, I mean, I love Phantom, and uh, I, I think I mentioned it in the interview you did last time, like I played one of the old Swedish games, and I felt like it was a bit outdated. I was thinking yeah. about if I got the chance to make a phantom card game, how would I do it? And I started writing it and, you know, I couldn't stop doing it. So I've been trying to do it better and better ever since. And that's, what is it, like three years ago? So I've been working a bit on it. And I mean, I want, if I want to play a phantom game, I want to be the phantom or another hero. So like, you can play like phantom or Diana and I also want it to be narrative driven, like there's a lot of good stories and action in, in the Phantom comics. So why not just pick something out of there and experience it? 
Mm. So uh, I guess there's two questions to come out of that. Um, one, um, if you were to uh, compare it to another card game that you've played, is it like another? If, uh, are, are gamers going to be able to say, oh, this is a bit like that game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit like uh, the Lord of the Rings, the living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. It, that is also like narrative-driven uh, cooperative game and card game. And it's also, they have a new game with the uh, Marvel Heroes. I'm not sure what it's called, but I haven't played it. But when I read through the their press material, it also sounded a bit like this. And also the mm. legendary encounters, all of these. Like they have stories, but they are uh, cooperative games. So you play together and either you win or everyone wins or everyone loses. Mm. Okay. Uh, cool. And, uh, and, and is there a, um, a phantom storyline that your game is based around? Yeah, there are three actually. So there's uh, three, three uh, stories. I have some of the old prototypes here. Like first there is the story about the uh, story of devil. That's oh. one many times of the best story in Sweden. Mm. So I thought that was, would be a good one to start with. And it's also good. Then you can unlock devil and have him in your deck after you're done. Uh, yeah. cool. then, um, just, just one thing. If you're listening to yeah. the audio podcast of this, uh, Mikkel is just showing us some prototypes, some early versions of the game. So it will be worth uh, shooting over to the YouTube as well so you can have a look at that as well. Yeah, Sorry, mate, sure. continue. Yeah, and then we have the, the Diana in the Jungle Patrol. It was oh. hard to find the episode where Diana is the... I mean, she's always... or. She yeah. should be portrayed as a strong character, but when she's mm. like the main focus, this is a yeah. great story, and I chose mm. that one. And then a love of mine has always been the year one, or it's called the yeah. 21st Phantom, the actual episode. But uh, I always love that one, and it's also good. Then we start out when it's new, and yeah. then since your deck in the beginning will also be uh, like average and then while going through the adventure you will unlock new cards and become better and then you can take on higher difficulty so i think that was uh, my think uh, thinking when i chose these adventures and, and from a gameplay perspective those three decks that you've just shown us are all interlinked and and can be added to the bigger game is that right yeah i mean there's like two parts of everything you have the player deck with like the phantom and the, the cards he uses. Like we have like Bandar Medicine, Bandar Explorers. You have Ramos, a follower, and you have like the the cult. So you have equipment and actions like you can seek shelter and such. And that will uh, be uh, you will increase this deck through the adventures. So. Uh, like while you're playing you unlock new cards and you can use those in the next adventures or when you replay them on a difficult uh, another difficult setting while the other part is the actual adventure like the story of devil where you meet wolves and you meet colonel bagshot that is the bad guy and uh, and uh, those are separate so they will stay the same except that you can change the difficulty but this right. your own deck is what you build up and you have okay. this campaign of okay. trying to expand your deck. Cool. 
All right. And so um, again, um, so much, to, so many questions yeah, yeah. to ask about this and we're both, um, if, if from a collector's point of view, um, the, the artwork and the story, have you got, um, who have you got lined up for those? Yeah, I mean, in this, uh, all the cards in the game will be actual panels from the stories. Yeah. So I will take them from the comic book and yep. use them so you will recognize them. Then, as I shown, this were the prototypes that are three different, but the goal now is to make it to one big box instead. And I haven't found the greatest uh, uh, an image to like take all over this. So I actually tried to get uh, some original artwork for the oh, wow. actual box. Nice. So that cool. would be great. Mm, that would be nice. Cool. So as we've said, there'll be more information coming out when the Kickstarter gets started and everything like that. Do we have a, a rough time frame of when you, we're hoping that Kickstarter will start? Like, are we talking about beginning of the year, around halfway through the year, towards the end of next year? I mean, uh, I don't really want to give ask. a firm date <laughs> since, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, since uh, I tried to give dates earlier but everything takes much longer mm. than I anticipate. But yeah. uh, right now, I think the plan is at least in quarter two in 2020. Okay, sweet. To start the Kickstarter. Yeah. And we'll be able to have you on for a, like a whole podcast dedication prior or well, around the be, beginning of the Kickstarter, I'm assuming. That would be awesome. Yep. And then that way, cool, I'm, cool. I'm assuming you'll be able to tell us a little bit more about it and... Uh, yeah, and stuff like that as well. That would be good. Um, well, yeah. I, I loved all those three <laughs> games as well. Uh, story of Devils, one of the best ever. Um, the Diana story has just been recently released in Australia from memory yeah, in the last 12 months or so, I reckon. Yeah, what was that issue? Give me two seconds. Oh. It was issue <laughs> 1804 in 2018. Um, and then right, so probably a bit more than 12 months, but yeah, but we'll we'll let you off for that one. Um, <laughs> uh, and then of course, you've got the year one saga. Which, what are you, what are your thoughts on the year one saga, Michael? You said that was one of your best stories that yeah. you liked. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a team phantomen person than the <laughs> than the most, I guess. And uh, I think, like, I love this the election in Bengala, and I love the year one and i also love the 22nd phantom saga we have now i i think they're great and uh, year one <laughs> Dan's it was in the well it's been nice having you on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know but i think it was pretty cool how they tried to uh, weave in some of the some of the lee fox stories and still create a new background from yeah. uh, where where he started like yeah. they tried to weave in the i'm not sure what's it called in english the store with the two rainbows oh um gilly the belt yeah the belt yeah the, the island belt. of what's that what's the island called again gilly the island of gilly gilly um, yeah like yeah, how I'll... they wove that into it mm. and the um, earlier stories they have done with uh, johnny hotwire i think yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember but, those stories, Dan? 
Yeah, I do. And, I'm, and you know, as, as we suggested, um, I wouldn't ever list those about against my, um, my favourite stories. But yeah. I do remember them, so um, well, that's maybe that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Maybe because they were so jarring to my to my understanding, <laughs> they clashed or whatever. But they're also, you know, um, yeah, they're, they're good stories, and I actually look forward to seeing them as a game rather than as a comic because I think then uh, a story of Devil. Uh, I agree with you, Jim. That's um, I really do enjoy that story. I quite like it. Um, well, and, it, uh, it, it it fits with your forest concept well yeah, it's because, been brought in and and but because, that's because it's yeah really lee fork lee fork introduced it into a newspaper story yeah. so it yep. is and and we've we've talked about that in a in an article on the podcast uh, sorry an article on the website a ways back as well but but yeah. we need to we probably yes. need to pull, hold that up there otherwise this podcast will go for about 16 hours like some of them have before <laughs> um and um Mikel, thank you very much for bringing us that that latest news. But yes. um, we can't let you go because you are, I, know, I know you're a busy man, but you are a regular contributor to the podcast in the form of your your comic reviews, which we've absolutely loved. Mm. And so if we can segue now from, you know, end the news section of the podcast and come into the comics section of the newcast, uh, of the podcast, sorry. Um, we have to ask a little bit about you, mate. Um Thank you so much for what you've done and your contributions to the podcast over yeah the last twelve months or so. Um, can you? How did you come to? For, for those who um, may have come in late, how did you come to be involved in sending us um, uh, some reviews from Sweden for us? Yeah, I think <laughs> it was like it's over a year ago. I think uh, I think it was the blood drain issue. Yeah. You gave us that videos, yeah. Yeah, I think Andreas uh, asked if someone want or asked me personally, maybe it was if I wanted to do it with you guys. Could it be, or was it you? It, it sounds about right. It was either Andreas yeah. or me. It was so f- because it was a special issue, the, Blood Rain, yeah. with the the jam story with the eight different artists, yes. which we're so we really working on seeing that, weren't we? Yeah, and we're going to be reviewing that um, after we've talked to you as well. Oh, um, now that it's coming Australia, now that it's come yeah. out in Australia, yeah, yeah. So that'll yeah, be interesting. That's, that's so yeah, so so just backtracking a little bit, um, we've been twenty seventeen, no, twenty eighteen, I believe it was when um, we got together and we said we really do need to branch out and review comics from around the world as well. And um, yeah, I I believe what it was. I believe Andreas was involved and I asked him for anyone who he would suggest. And, and I already knew you as well, Mikel. We did some dealings in the past and stuff as well. And he suggested you, I, I think it was. And um, so then that's how we got talking and how we got the, the video reviews. And they've been awesome. They've been really good. I've, I've really enjoyed them. Um, and I've, we've been getting feedback from other people from around the world that have been enjoying them as well. So. Um, well, yeah. thank you. I, I try to do my best. <laughs> now you you you're very good and succinct. So um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> which which the rest of us are not. Um, just to um, to let the listeners know, um, maybe a little bit of uh, general details. Um, how old are you? Um, family situation. We've talked. You you mentioned daughters before. Um, so um, who are you, Mikkel? <laughs> yeah, um, so my name is Mikael. I live here in Sweden, have done from all of my life, and I'm 38. 
married with two kids, a daughter called Leia, nine years old, and a son called Lucas, 12 years old. Are they from Star Wars? And yeah, they were <laughs> inspired by Star Wars. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we read the, the, the bi-weekly comics uh, as bedtime stories here in uh, Stockholm. Yeah. And uh, I started reading The Phantom in my mm -hmm. teens, so quite late, late teens actually. Uh, but um, it stuck. I, I think what stuck with me with Phantom is this, the continuity that f coming from like Donald Duck and such, where everything goes back to status quo. Mm -hmm. This actually had yeah. some things that changed up, yeah. especially yeah. in Sweden though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, especially in Sweden. <laughs> but, well, I'm not being president anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, very good. And, so and what uh, comics what, you got for us? Oh, sorry. No. You want to go another question? Don't get carried away, Jim. I was, oh. I was just going to ask, what sort of what sort of collector are you, uh, Mikel? For um, do you, you're into the comics, obviously. Do you also collect um, artwork and uh, or, and or figurines or cards or what are you into? What's your poison? <laughs> that changes from from month to month right uh, but yeah uh i i want the comics but i'm not a completionist i just want to be able to have all of them but it's okay to have the reprint books and such and uh, with the collectability i i like the cards all the trading cards as as you know i i like card games and i also mm. like the cards so i I love collecting the cards and stickers, uh, but I also have some figurines and some rings and some some other stuff that just gets included. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so have you got the Ted. free trading cards? Yes. Yeah, what are your thoughts uh, on I mean, those? I think the artwork is great. It's uh, too bad they didn't take like one or two extra day in the, the proofreading, but I mean, they look great, and uh, I love the the foil cards. Yeah, call it embossed cards, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I got uh, two full sets of the of the base sets and three sets of the all the cards except the Cyberry, where I only have one. Awesome. And one unopened boxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just Sounds to sit like there and tempt you. Sounds like a completist to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah does, but only it? with the cards, right? <laughs> <laughs> I meant with the comics, I'm not a completist. Like, I was going to get to it actually in the review. Okay. Well, we all draw our lines in different places and, and you've got to because you can't collect everything. So, um, mm. no, that's, that's good to hear, mate. And, and uh, looking forward to hearing more um, about your Phantom Journey and, and your collection and, and everything. Um, in further in further discussions we have, but James, right? Uh, we do need to move on to the reviews, um, and so I understand we're starting with um, Phantom Twenty Four from Twenty Nineteen. Yeah, that's right. It's this beautiful issue with the cover by Henrik Solström. It has Lage in the background. It looks like the Barack Obama yes. uh, boat uh, election poster. Yeah, and uh, the story. You could say that also Star Wars themed, A New Hope. Uh, and you know who that person uh, in the ninja, they're almost like, I've managed to get myself a copy as well. She almost looks like a G.I. Joe. Yeah, that's true. Cobra. 
uh, yeah, but uh, we'll get to know who she is in the issue. It's the first time we get uh, Anthony Spey art in a Phantom story, and the uh, story is written by Mikael Sol. I think Anthony Spey does a great work with art, actually. Mm. And uh, the story takes place like a few, yeah, there was a few months ago the big uh, explosion in the president palace. So the presidency mm -hmm. has been empty for a while. Now there's a few candidates who want to take power. Uh, not sure how much we should uh, spoil. I'll just go for all of it. If Dan doesn't oh. want to listen to it, he can just pull out his headphones and I'll wait until him <laughs> when we've finished talking about it. So, but I, so I is, this a, like is this a continuation of the Sandal Singh is president or was president storyline? That she was president, exactly. But yeah, she I'm she's presumed dead, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, there's no, three... Spoil away. <laughs> yeah, I will spoil away. So there are three candidates. It's like one of the good guys and then two bad guys <laughs> I, I don't i don't really want to spoil everything but they basically kill off each other <laughs> and uh, order is restored loage is back on the throne so well wow. and i think soul has talked about this in the yes. in your podcast earlier yes. that he wanted to go back to the same universe so here he does it he he made well. he, he said that he might have to create he might have to write the story because Clayson Ramifi didn't want to write the story. So I guess he did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, this is it, it this is actually really big news, isn't it? In terms of bringing yes. the universes back together. Yes. Well that was it's really been so there's the panel there where he's swearing in the oath uh for the YouTube viewers and for Dan, who's got now got a smile on his face. Um <laughs> So it's really been probably the only glaring difference between the two so-called universes. Yeah, but it, it yeah. still uh, asks the question, what happened then in the 22nd Phantom when yes. it feels like he's again a doctor in the outskirts? Yes. Uh, but let's hope they... A little glitch in the matrix ...tie there. it together. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's a very good point. So, what did so you was it, was it? Sorry, uh, <laughs> we're both about to ask exact opposite questions. You go first, Jim. <laughs> what, what did you think about the art? Like, was there anything in particular that you liked about the art um, that you didn't like about it? And just a warning that uh, Anthony will be listening to this. He's already said that he's uh, looking forward to our review. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I would say I really like the art. Of yeah, course, you would now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm. I think I'm pretty pretty honest with my reviews. Uh, yeah. There's there's some sometimes the expression of some people gets a bit uh, caricatured. Like there's maybe this with go around, but I mean in the whole good is this is a great great art and it's very what bright and nice it's easy yeah to, the color easy to read and easy to mm. and it's pretty just want to add a pretty funny side story that i don't think will come up over as easy for the international readers like this guy he finds some 
secret super intel on this the nice person running for the presidency that she bought chocolate with the state funds and that actually a that was a big scandal in sweden when a politician <laughs> did that like 20 years ago and she had to resign and everything just because she bought some toblerone with the state fund is yeah. that right <laughs> yeah wow. it was when, a big scandal when i was oh, reading cool. it on my app i I'm thinking, why on earth are they talk about chocolate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a Swedish uh, inside joke, I would say. Oh, awesome! There you go. Is that a um? Well, I, and I was going to ask you about the writing. That was that was my point before. Jim asked about the art. I'm asking you about the writing. Did you um? So start there. Um, is, is that a little subtle dig at international politics at the moment and what um, presidents can and can't be um, in trouble for? <laughs> I I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about Reading politics like this. <laughs> I try to not uh, right. write into That's it. But fair. I mean, as I mentioned in earlier reviews, that I think uh, Sul is really great at writing uh, writing stories. Mm. And we, look, to be honest, with the Obama-type picture on the front, it can't help but be a little bit political. So um, while we won't delve into it, I think don't think there's any doubt that... Um, uh, Fantoman is not worried too much about making a, some sort of political statement there themselves. So, yeah, yeah. Um, does he? Use, did you? Did you feel like sorry, the story, Mikkel? No, I'm ask, still asking is, about the writing. Oh, all right, go for it. <laughs> I was just wondering because I don't think that actual poster actually appears in the story, though, does it? No, you see posters of the other candidates, but I mean, yeah. he was like the. Since there's no other candidate, he basically gets it. But you can see again with Guran has it on his uh, oh, yes, t-shirt. Shirt. Yes. There we go. All right, Dan, your question. No, I was just going to ask. Did it did it feel like it was um, a logical progression from where we were with um, the president's uh, HQ being bombed and destroyed and all the rest of it, and then all of the did it did it make sense logically? Do we know where Sandal Singh is now? Are you happy with the the way that it arrived, or it, does it feel a bit contrived because it so, um, it's a very it's a very short time to make that big change? I would say like the Sandal Singh changes that was another issue earlier this year. Uh, so this is basically only the presidency. And before this, you know, I did this uh, article on the Chronicle Chamber. Yep. talking about all the different presidents they had and mm. while i was doing that i read through all of those stories and i think it's it would be a great trade paperback to include all of these stories i would say because it's yeah they 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 tie together pretty good yeah mm -hmm. i think that's the on the first is it the first or the second page second page there's actually a picture of the um, palace being reconstructed and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So it yeah. does kind of follow in with that. Yeah, it, was just, uh, it just seems like a quick change about to, to suddenly from where um, we left it. And, you know, we're, I'm talking about a free reprint from probably, I don't know, 18 months ago maybe um, was the last time I think we've, we've touched base with this story. Would I be right in Australia, June? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. If, but it, but it seems to follow on. Yeah. Cool. Which is 
if you look at it from the mid nineties, when like every second or third story was about the bunga, and then you've got it did feel like that. We're we're getting like a couple of stories a year about sandal and and and, and stuff like that. So it's yeah. it's it's slow compared to the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, and I, for sure. I, I'm not uh, like I'm. Not, I have no idea what's going on in in their headquarters or anything, but. I would guess it's easier to write, to get the stories delivered if you have like three different ongoing story arcs and yeah. they're not uh, combined and it's like oh this guy is late I can take this story instead. Yeah. If they have three different threads. It's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was a big issue. Else? Yeah, it was oh, a very sorry. big issue. Yeah, no, it is an important um, development. It really is a, a very historical development in um, in fandom history around the world. So I'm sure. Are we'll, you glad um, you listened now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to have to give Glenn and Dudley a hurry up to get this one um, published in through because if it brings us all back together again, the, the quicker the the quicker the better. Oh, um, so there you go. All, all inclusive Sorry? and loving. Dan's feeling all inclusive and loving. Well. Let's long mate continue. Let's see how we go. <laughs> Clay from Ethereum will write another story and it'll all be set back on its heels. So, <laughs> no wonder he doesn't want to come on our podcast if you keep bagging him. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it, he just takes it in a different direction than I would. That's all. I'm happy to, happy to discuss that with him. Um, and, and full respect because he's uh, um, written, uh, well, however many phantom stories he's written, that's all of them that more than I have. So, anyway. Um, so anyway, there we, is another we, issue. There is another story in this issue. So, oh, is it? Yeah. Another yes. story. Yes. Yeah. So the second story is uh, the Silks of Emira, and it's a daily from 1997, uh, written by Lee Falk and art oh, okay. by George Olsen and Keith Williams. I mean, this is not great in any sense of the word. It's, it's a typical of this era newspaper story. Um, yeah, but I mean, for me, the good thing is it was only Phantom in the whole comic book and mm. no side stories. So that's a great plus. And uh, we get it published in Sweden. So, I mean, it was published in a Christmas album earlier, but now we got it published in the Phantom comic. Mm. Mm. Not much okay. more to say there. Now, in, All right, so sorry, I just want to say one more thing. In the... <laughs> In the podcast that we had with Keith Williams, he talked about how there was one time that he had to redraw a panel because George, who was the penciler, had characterized black a black person in an inappropriate way. I wonder mm. if it I was this that. story here. Because Would in, it this, be? in this story, there is... Um, they're like the natives are objectified a lot in the story. So I wonder if it was this story that he was talking about. But, but at the end of the day, the ones that you're looking at and saying that are objectified are the ones that got through. So he didn't change them. Yeah. So but I, yep. I'm just, I'm just wondering, I wonder if it was this story that he, yeah, yeah. That he did kind of change, but I'll, I'll just yeah. leave that one there. I mean, I think all the, they look pretty, to called natural mm. the drawing anyway all we'll right see. well 
let's move on to the next um, issue of Fantelman, which was the double episode uh, 25 and 26. Again, I've got no idea, but I understand both of you guys have got a copy. So um, I'll hand over to you, to Mikel, um, to, to do your review and then field questions from Jermaine, I'm sure. Yeah, this also includes basically no side stories. It's two phantom stories, two newspaper stories. It's, uh, I mean, first you can, I, I guess the That's listeners who don't cover. watch on YouTube can't see it, but it's a great cover by Henrik Salström. I was earlier this year talking about what I thought would be the cover of the year. This might actually come out stronger. Let's see. Mm-hmm. It has... That'll like be a top start. three easily. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So it has uh, the main story is The Rat Must Die that I uh, did a review on when I was doing the Norwegian, the Historia one. Yes. And uh, I liked it then, and now I read it for, for my kids as well. And as I said, I, I really like this thug that the rat, I, really, uh, I don't know why. Well, it's written by Tony DePaul, art by George Olsen and Keith Williams. I oh, know, Jeff Weigel. Oh, yes, I was reading. Sorry. I was reading the, <laughs> the wrong one. Sorry. I was reading. And uh, actually, Andrea said that there's a difference with the, with the version that's in the... Norwegian one against the Swedish one, and I've looked except the color of the suit, then, but I can't find it. So, if someone more spare time than me want to look through, <laughs> that's some <laughs> great fun. And uh, I mean, it's really good here because I, uh, since we got this story in the issue before, here in the end, uh, they didn't have to do any editing because now we can see. Loga coming here. Let's see where he is. Yeah. We didn't have to edit him out for someone else. So yes. finally, uh, it could be point. unedited. Yeah. And uh, that's got to be at least part of the business decision, if you like, from Sweden to go, well, you know what? King Features haven't blinked um, in 20 years. So maybe we just need to um, make him president again so we don't have to edit the stories and cost ourselves money that way. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Am I being too I cynical? Think, I think you're being a bit cynical. I think Mikel Sol in his podcast did talk about that. He is, that he does respect and love the newspaper strip. And, and, oh, I, and stuff I like hear that. what you're saying. I am, so, I'm just pitching. I reckon that's how he might have sold it to the bean counters at Egmont. Uh, well, I, to be honest, he probably just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. <laughs> so so the second story is uh, The Ghost Quest and that is written by Tony DePaul with art from George Olsen and Keith Williams and I, I like uh, I want to say something positive here so I, I like how they did the editing like they blow some panels up so it mm. gets a bit more uh, more like regular the regular comics that are not taken from newspaper so have they, have they modernized it a little bit? I mean, they, instead of just doing it unedited, yeah. three paints, three paints, they, they blow some up. And, it definitely uh, looks it... like it. I think they did it in the Christmas album a bit as well. Um, because 
like for instance, if you look at, like if you look at, say, for those on the video, you'll be able to see it. But in 2419, they've got this huge filler panel at the top of mm. which is just a bit of jungle and they've got like... It's basically strips. the top strip out of five strips almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then they've just got kind of like what we're getting through where it's just been tiled, where, mm. um, where the ones that Mikel just showed us it actually fits and looks and reads a lot more like a comic. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, yeah. They only use like half the panels as well, so they get mm. more more pages out of the story, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting they did that. It might um, oh, we might have to run a bit of a poll to see whether people like that or whether they like the other ways. We might have to get a photo of that, I reckon, uh, Mikel, and then um, yeah, and then we'll well, uh, we'll, have, we'll we'll do that after we'll we've um, recorded because yes. um, you're right. It's it's uh. If you, you want to judge on how those two look, you're going to have to look at the YouTube for, for now um, to, make it, to make a pick yes. between the two. Yes, yeah. and then we'll do a, we'll do a, we'll do a, a poll after the, this comes out. And this story, I've, I've, it's not much to say about that. It's, it's also typical daily. I think it feels like a lot of a filler story basically okay so um christmas has come to the northern hemisphere we we haven't got our free christmas special uh down here in australia but the phantom and christmas special has been out i guess for long enough that they've even been able to post it to australia because jermaine's got his over in perth and uh you're holding up yours in sweden there um <laughs> yeah. tell us about the the christmas special yeah so great issue they've this is the 75 year anniversary so that's quite a long time. Is that of Phantomen being published in Sweden? No, no the Christ Phantom Christmas album. That's a bit earlier because the Christmas album. 75th consecutive Christmas album. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How many have and you got, uh, Kel? You got them all? I do not have them all. Because, but the good thing is like... He's not a completist, since... Jim. <laughs> How yeah, because ever since 1994, <laughs> they do the facsimile of the yes. older. So, uh, I mean, I have them all if you count these yes. ones. <laughs> you don't need to collect the originals. <laughs> so I don't have to buy the expensive ones. <laughs> but I think this this Christmas album is pretty weird. Like the, the main stories are the... What was I have written down what it was called in English? The Temple of the Gods, the first two parts, and uh, that's a six part story, right? With both dailies and comics, I think. Yes, and I mean, they are only from 2005, so it's not that long ago, and it's, I guess, then the idea is to have two every year but then like two years if you get the, the christmas album and then it's like well i get these stories but they are part five and six i think that's a weird decision mm. it's quite long time to remember and uh yeah and i i gotta be honest with you i haven't reread them i didn't like them the first time. <laughs> uh, 
I will. I'll, I'll agree with you. The Temple of the Gods saga was prob has probably been my least favorite of um, Tony to be poor of of his stable of what he's written. Yeah, it's a bit much. Uh, I know that it was quite big in Sweden, but it it never fell in my taste. And after that, we have the facsimile then of the 1969, but it's. 1970 on the cover they changed it a few times during the years and that is uh, uh, four of the um, king's comics stories yes. i have the i have the book here and like when you read the reading that one it's all colorful and good so you're taking that from the hermes press um collection yeah, this is yeah yes but uh like in the they weren't i guess they didn't have money back in the 69 to do it full color so it's this black white and red mm -hmm. and, they, did that uh, in all, they did that in a lot of the german comics as well from memory yeah i think it's a european thing because you don't have that that much in australia right no no because all all donald duck comics had it as well and uh okay yeah there i think Lots of comic back in the sixties. I seem to, I seem to remember that that has got something to do with World War Two and the availability of different dyes and stuff um, after the wars. So, okay. um, yeah, more detail about that is available somewhere, I'm sure. But I think that's um, that's where mm -hmm. I heard the the reasoning for the red. Uh, yeah, and then I think it just became tradition with newspapers and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't do the comic justice, in my opinion, the art. Yep. But I mean, Agreed. it's. I think probably like if you got it back in '69, you would, you would like it. Mm. But now it's more there to just be there. And then there's a first ever uh, story first published in a Christmas album. They, it has always been reprints earlier, so this is. They produced this six-page long story written by Mikael Sol and Anthony Spey and art by Anthony Spey again. So I guess they must have liked him since he got the new one directly. And here, this is even better than the uh, A New Hope story, in my opinion. So is well, that the, a 21st uh, Phantom story? Yes, but it's a really, like I said, six six pages long. So it will probably eventually appear as a backup story in a free comic. Yeah, yeah but it's, 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 it's fascinating that you should say there, Mikel, mm -hmm. that it's the first time in 75 years that um, uh, a new story has debuted in a Christmas album instead of yeah. being full of repeats. That's, um, that's significant. It is. Yeah, it is. And uh, like, it's not the, the guys printing the, the regular issue and the guys printing the Christmas album is not the same guys. Yes. Oh, is that they, right? they get like they get help from the editors in the regular Phantom and on which stories to have, but these are like a totally different bank account than these guys. Yeah, yeah right. Is it still Semic? Yeah. It's yep. So for those who don't know, Semic used to be the publishers and then they sold it to Egmont. And but, as but the Christmas album the is back, still published under Semic. Yes, it was part of the original deal, from what I understand. Is that yeah, well, how you read it, Mikel? What did you say? 
Um, from what from what I understand is that the Christmas albums were really really popular. So as part of the deal from when Semic sold it to Egmont, that they kept the Christmas album. Yeah, because this is like uh, lots of kids in Sweden go out and knock door from door to sell these. Uh, so they need to have a great selection to make people buy, I guess. So yeah, I think that's a reason they want it, still want it, even though they so- sold off their other comic books. Hmm. Yeah, because it's not only Phantom, it's like all the other big comics have well, their. I think X Nine and some of the others as well. Yeah. So, but, sorry, you go. Yeah, I, f- I found uh, an issue. Of course, I'm so picky that the index here it's like it starts with page one, but it should start with page five. So everything is nothing is uh, actually uh, correct in that index. Oh uh, yes, but that's a minor thing, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, so. Um, and there's something else that's special about this new story by Anthony Spay and Mikel Sol as well. Tell us. <laughs> uh, well, I will. Thank you. Um, so apparently, uh, according to what we have been able to dig up, that this was actually... Now, in the original article where we introducing Anthony Spay, which is on chroniclechamber.com, of course, um, we just did a brief introduction to Anthony. And he made mention that he submitted some artwork to both Fruit and Egmont, like a like a submission. And this story was it. And then there was some edits by Mikel Sol and some redrawing and stuff like that. But this story here in the 2019 Christmas album was actually his submission. So that's pretty cool. So did he did he write it as well? Yes. And then it's been edited by my by Mikel Sol. Yeah, and I think there was an extra page added or or, yeah. or or something like that. But it's it's pretty cool that um that you know in in some in some artist interviews that we've done they they do a drawing of the Phantom and they submit that where Anthony Spay actually did a whole comic, a whole, you know, a whole five or six five pages. Or six pages. Yeah. yeah. So you know uh, that's pretty cool. I agree, and I I think it was uh, nice as well. I I, I like. I mean, mm. it feels like the concept could have been fleshed out to, to a comic long story. But I mean, reading it like this, it's so much action and so much. Yeah, yeah. It. I'm trying to figure out which one it was. I think like one of the stories made for the Irish the Phantom Lightning Strikes. Yeah, they they also had a story of like four pages or something that was yes. Good, right? issue three, which some people have, some people don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, issue three ha- is a is a whole comic full of short stories. So yeah, um, yeah so I guess that would be perfect for um, Fru and Egmont to include as fillers and stuff like that as well. And you know, you never know might be the only way we actually get to read them is in a Frill Egmont comic. (laughs) 
All right. Well, on that, I think, um, Mikel, thank you so much. I know we, we've taken up a lot of your time. We said at the, well, we said before you rang uh, that this might be a 20 or 30 minute conversation. It's getting on close to an hour. So <laughs> um, you, you've proven to be um, a traditional Chronicle Chamber or x band podcaster <laughs> by being able to speak. When we can draw it out of you, um, the, the, the recordings you send in are, are neat and succinct. And um, when you get into a chat, you're like the rest of us and just, uh, baff, uh, waffle on Phantom, which is fantastic. We love it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been my honor. Thank you. And we're really it, looking probably. forward to um, mm. to the card game and, and, and all the news that you have about that. We really appreciate the reviews as we've just been talking about for the last bit. Yes. But uh, obviously for you and for us and, and for the, um, the global Phantom community, probably the greatest uh, excitement is going to come from that from that card game and we wish you all the best as you work out your timelines and um and finalize the product and get that up onto kickstarter and um looking forward to having a dedicated podcast and, and a lot of uh um you know post support and, and all the rest of it uh, mm. as you get that going thank you i appreciate it i'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> <laughs> no worries thanks buddy thank you good day, mate thank you Jim, how good is that to have Mikel actually join us uh, live for our Phantomen review? Yeah, no, it was a nice, um, a nice change to be able to talk to him. And uh, interesting that it went for a little bit longer. Uh, when I was <laughs> <over>. <laughs> um, he's he's been about three minutes per comic, unless we ask him questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's like three minutes for like five comics. Um, <laughs> But no, huge shout out to Mikel. Uh, very exciting news. Um, so I guess we'll move on to the free comics now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we go back to, we've talked about Supernova earlier, this podcast and, and Billy Zane. Um, we go back now to through issue 1852, which is the, uh, the 100 pager, which features the Skyband, especially coloured version of the Skyband, which Australian audiences haven't seen before. Yep, first time in English and in colour. Uh, anywhere in the world? What Didn't Hermes Press do it in colour? No, they did it in black and white. Well, there you go. So an absolute world first for, for yeah, free when making think, this a bit. I don't think a lot of people have kind of figured out that one, that this is actually a world first in colour and in English and in most likely probably the cleanest reproduction you'll probably ever see on the same level as what Herms have produced and then it's in colour. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it, it's a huge feather in the cap with Fru and also with Ivan Pedersen who did the colouring. Yes. Um, you know. We and, talk about Norwegian influence in comics. Ivan Pedersen yeah. from Norway. Um, beautiful job. Beautiful job that he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, he's, he might not be everyone's cup of tea, um, but you cannot uh, doubt that he has done an amazing job with the colour. Um, yeah. It was fun to read. Um, and So that was yeah. going to be my question. Um, did you read it? Because sometimes with the, uh, the older stories, and I'm thinking the replicas in particular, we skip over those because we haven't read them. Did you read this one? Story yeah, on I've read it panel? and I've, I've flicked through it a few times and stuff like that. Um, so first, first of the time, I, I probably flicked through it just to like look at the colours, um, you know, make sure that uh, Ivan didn't sneak in a, um, a blue phantom. Um, <laughs> 
uh, or, or, or something like that. But um, and then you know I've gone through and read it, and then there's been times where I've like I might start at page thirty and read a, a, a section that I like and stuff. Seeing I've read the story that many times, I know the story pretty much you know back to front. Um, so I've kind of you know like read bits and pieces of it to enjoy those parts. So, so let's, it's, it's a brand new story. Let's review it. Um, how, how does it stand up for you? Did you, cause this is what the second. Yeah. It's second daily. Third, second daily. So this is the second story ever of the Phantom uh, ran from the 9th of November, 1936 until the 10th of April at 1937. So um, six month story, but one that was published 83 years ago for the first time in that context. Um, but as a story, you know, what did you think of the story? Was it was it well written? Was what, what did you think of the art? Um, the, I think actually the colour actually makes the art look better, and maybe it's got to do with the fact that Ivan's actually cleaned up a few of the panels. But in previous reproductions, you know, um, you know, people are just all black and all shadows and 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 stuff like that, and it's all spotty and, and stuff like that. So I think. It actually, okay, this is going to sound, I think more people are going to enjoy reading it, especially younger people, in colour than they would have in black and white. And I must admit, I enjoyed, just myself, reading it recently, I enjoyed reading it in colour more than what I have in the past in black and white. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I really enjoyed um, reading it in colour, it was still it's st- it's a good lengthy read. Like I had to have a nap yes. in the middle because it's a it's a long story. Um, but but if um, nap in the podcast, you'd be fine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's not here um, to defend himself, so you know he's only got himself right. to blame. Um, no, it was interesting. I, I really enjoy, and you're right. It probably is the most I've enjoyed reading this story. So. Um, whether that's because I'm the right age for it now, or and it's a story that's better suited to a, a forty odd year old than a eighteen year old odd year old, I don't know. But uh, mm. uh, or it was the colour, but I did really enjoy reading. Yeah, and and the story's good. Like, there's definitely some some elements, and we've discussed this in past comics where um, where it is a sign of its time. You know, um, but you can kind of sense that, like, for instance, the relationship with the Phantom and the Pygmy Bander, that's a little bit more palatable in this story than in the previous story as well. So you can definitely yeah. tell that, you know, um, you know, it's it's not as bad as it probably was in the first story. You know, Duran's oh, not... I absolutely not exactly, agree. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, without giving us blowing smoke too far up my own backside. I, I like to think I've got a pretty good radar for that sort of stuff. And um, there's very little in this that um, is overly racial. Um, yeah. Yeah, certainly, as you say, the relationship with the band and the Phantom is, is really respectful and, and his friends and they're working with him, not for him, all that sort of stuff. Uh, there's a bit about the native police, but you know what? Native police were an actual thing. That's a, that's a historical fact. So, yeah. um, you know, there's they were the only guys who got a skull mark, I think in the whole story. But when you're fighting against a, um, uh, a pirate band full of women, it's very hard. And the, and mm. the Phantom mentions it a number of times. 
Um, he can't go around skull marking and, and, and king hitting women. <laughs> so um, would have solved and, and, a few of his problems though. <laughs> and, and that's probably, and that's probably where there are going to be question marks over it's a suitability or, but even then, you know, in, 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 now I'm looking at through a, a feminist perspective. Um, there are certainly elements of, um, of this story where you go, hang on. Well, um, while it's quite progressive in the sense that it's a, the bad, the bad guys that are entirely women. Um, and are, are ruthless and bloodthirsty and um, the equal of any of any criminals we've ever come across in the fandom. Um, they still have their girly moments, which are probably not um, exactly true to what the case might be, and still have a little bit of the male gaze in them, if you like. So yeah, but uh, it's definitely a lot more progressive than what it was back in the thirties, anyway. Oh, for its time, it would have been super yeah. aggressive. Exactly right. Um, well, um, so, yeah. yeah. No, I absolutely agree with that. And um, as long as you're aware of that, you don't go into this thinking it's, it's been written this year, um, and mm. who would? Um, you know, it, it's a, it stands up. It's a really good read. Yeah. So what about the um, story by Philip Madden and Jeremy McPherson? Um, I didn't like it as much as the Sky Band. Let's let's say that. Yeah. Um, it, this felt like a Charlton or a a nineteen seventies Cy Barry. You know, when Lee Falk was in the psychedelic era. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> it was taking you some stuff, right? <laughs> uh, it, it was it was uh, Lee Falk's Sergeant Pepper's moment. <laughs> Um, yeah, so from what we've been able to gather, not 100% not 100% sure, but I'm pretty confident that this was actually originally intended to be a lightning strike story in their, um, when we talked earlier about their short story one. So from what we understand, that was part of that. Um, I didn't mind it. I, I guess for a, what is it, one, two, three, four, for a four-page story, you're not going to get something deep and meaningful, meaningful, sorry. Um, and, and you know what, to be honest, that's kind of the problem with the story is because it tries to be deep and meaningful and in only four pages, it can't be. And so it has, yeah. it has, it's almost, it's almost two stories. It's almost one really deep and meaningful and one purely preposterous. And they've tried to put them together. And um, it, for me, for me, it hasn't worked. Yeah. See, so I don't, I think I think you're um, and maybe you're wearing your teacher's hat rather than your phantom hat or your phantom fan hat, and that you're you know you're picking holes at it rather than just enjoying it for what it is. A short full story phantom which um, gives Jeremy McPherson the chance to shine, which gives Philip Madden the chance to to shine as well. Um, you know now. Some people, you know, I've talked to some people and some people got a little bit upset about the Phantom's fallibility in here where, you know, Kitten Hulise gave him a little bit of uh, a little bit of stick oh, really? about his age and, uh, and, and stuff. But it's a, it's a comic, one. We know the Phantom's getting old. It's a, it's Mate, a, if they're worried compass, about that, wait till they read to the bottom of that page. It's a, um, <laughs> you know, it's a, <laughs> um, it's a, it's a question that a lot of people ask is, you know, he's 80 odd and he's 
you know, still able to do what it is. So it's a bit of a play on that. Um, it's a four-page comic. I think I, I enjoyed it. I um, I liked it. I will admit, if I had not known, if Jeremy McPherson did not have his credits there, I would have think that it would have been a, a filming story from from Sparta or something like that. It looked like it was pulled straight out of there. Um, now, when you say, it, well, make you, yeah. I would say, and I think to that point, I see this as a story that um, I would expect or be more, I'd be happier with if it had appeared in a Phantom's World or a giant size. Um, it, it's it's that sort of a vibe. That's it's that sort of yeah. a feel for me. Again, I think you're being, a, I personally think you're being a little bit harsh, and I, I think this is where, because we know that the new Egmont stories are. 24 pages and so there's 12 there's 12 pages that have to be filled up and we know that phantom uh that what's it called um oh, mind blank um heart of darkness is almost ended and that there's room for pages and i i think this is the way to go little short little fun stories um you know where you know, where people can read, whether it's Kid Phantom, whether it's Gaslight, whether it's um, the stories from uh, Lightning Strikes or, or, or whatever. But I think these little fillers, I'm thinking, might be where we are ending up going. Yeah, and, and, and I've got no teaser. problem with a four-page story. I just, I stand by the fact that it's in the psychedelic era, which is fine. I don't hate those stories, but I don't love them either. Um, I also stand by the fact that I think it tried to be too much and too little at the same time. And yeah. um, I put the writer on all of that, that I absolutely love Jeremy McPherson's art and just about every panel is a masterpiece and the colouring is fantastic. Um, and there, there's one panel in particular, for instance, um, which is the Phantom writing on, on the first page of the story, Phantom writing on Hero with Devil Chasing. That's a yeah. that's a I almost immediately iconic image. It's so so Barry. You know, mm. you said filming. Um the that artist one's so Barry, yeah. The magnificent Jeremy on the um looking at the chronicles at the top there, that's definitely that has definitely got the, the likeness of uh Felmang. Absolutely. So no, just beautiful yeah. work from Jeremy. Um we can't go past this one without mentioning the cover and the fact that it came um, with a, a supernova variant. Um, so um, 18, well, that's the other thing we need to mention, 1821, yeah. the, uh, the printing well, issue. Go, so go on the cover first and then we'll talk about the number. Okay, so um, I, I, there are obviously the two covers there. Your supernova variant hasn't arrived yet, Jim. I should have thought no. not to post that until today so that I, you, I could show it to you. Um, but it is posted and it's on you, its way to you. Um, what are your thoughts on the two covers? I like the black one better. I just think it's more striking um, and it's more in your face. I think the comic strip in the background almost takes away too much. Like the 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 wording presenting the story of the movie on the um, news agent one kind of gets lost. Um, and I yeah, I think it would have that would have actually been better if, in my opinion, if it was just white. And then you had the black one, uh, like you're holding yep. up without the comic strip in the background. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so I won't add more to that. Um, the, the Glenn Lumsden's image of the Phantom in particular. 
It's a, I mean, it is, a, it is a reasonable likeness of Billy Zane in the face. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Billy Zane's comments were about himself drawn in a, in a um, format like that. And I know a few artists have done it. Like, I know Sal Valido did it. And I know Jamie Johnson has done it as well for the Comic-Con. There is a there is a pose like that that yes. um, Billy released for uh, you know you know was of him as part of yes. the promotions for the movie. So the pose itself is, is a copy yeah. of a photo of Billy Zane. I guess yeah. we're talking about how uh, very 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 muscular this Phantom is as opposed to I guess a more live uh, yeah uh, realistic. If I'm going to be honest, um, and he's in purple. Billy. Hey, and he's in purple. Glenn likes grey, and he's gone purple. Yeah, true. Well, he had to for this one. <laughs> but no, if you actually look at his other previous through regular covers, he's always gone grey. Yeah, he's also drawn the bloody markings of um, Tukanda yeah. or Tuganda and that sort of thing on the costume. So it's obviously it's a Billy Zane Phantom yeah, 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 costume. Yeah. So hence it had to be purple. Yeah. Now the the through numbering was a bit of a um uh, a bit of well, a, a huge stuff up. A mess up. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and and the, to yeah. their credit, the Fru guys have never said anything but that. They said yeah. we stuffed up. <laughs> yeah, 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 and um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess you know, being I've done some work in the print industry, and I do a lot of work in the online industry as well. And unfortunately, errors do come up. Um, this is a big one. Um, yeah. I guess everyone's already had their say about that, but um, yeah, they would have liked their time again, especially for a like a a, a key issue that this was. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't want your stuff up on a key issue. That's well, and, and as we've already said, the story, um, you know, worldwide, first time in English and in colour, um, tied together with Billy Zane at Supernova, and, and so many people getting this comic signed, and, and in fact, it's available for nearly a hundred dollars if you want to buy it straight off the free website, signed by Billy Zane. So yeah, in front of a lot of eyes, it's, it is a shame. Yeah. But other than that, honestly, I don't think it's a big deal. You know, no, it's not oh, a deal breaker. Where but... am I going to file it now? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's rubbish. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah and it's I, 1851 I think... with a printer's error. I think a few people, well, it's actually 1852, but... Um. <laughs> Whatever. See, that's how little it matters. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a lot of people have a bit of fun with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll All leave right. that there because it's already been said. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's, um, let's stay on covers and talk about what is going to be arguably... Um, Cover of the year. Claim oh, it now. I, you have said it a number of times, but the Pit of Doom from 1853. I'm, I'm keeping my powder dry because no. um, the, the Christmas cover last year got into my top three. So uh, I have high hopes, but um, this is uh, it's a stunning cover. There's no doubt about it. From a first time um, color, cover artist for through. Through, yeah. Um, Luca, what's his last name? Uh, Alberta. Luca Alberta. So, um, first time cover artist for Fru, and it's a clearly a painted cover that's been replicated, uh, or, or um, done on the computer. Oh, is it? Yeah, done on the computer in the painted format. Um, right. He's done a couple of other covers for Phantom Men, including I think I've got one handy. If you give me two seconds, uh, he did the. 
Phantom Man um, Pirates theme one last year. That's the 2018 one. And he also did the North version for the 2019 version. These are the books that were published by uh, in the Gottenberg Book Fair. So he's done those yeah, covers. Right. Um, and, absolutely and all, amazing. All three of those images are um, just just stunning. It's a, a fantastic format for uh, or, or genre, whatever you want to say, for um, for a phantom uh, artwork then cover. So um, I do love it, and the colouring is fantastic as well. So um, I have a feeling we are going to talk about that more when we do our best yeah. of 2019 podcast. And um, we should say now that yes. uh, once the Christmas cover that. has been, uh, well, once the Christmas issue from Fru has been released, then we'll have all of the covers for the year and we'll know all of the stories for the year. So um, we are going to run our um, uh, choice. reader's choice or people's, people's choice or fan favourite uh, competition again this year um, using uh, in conjunction with Fru. So um, yet to determine details and prizes and dates and all that sort of stuff to do with it, but uh, keep an eye on the website for that one. Um, so if you don't agree feature. with me that it's the best cover of 2019, you've got a chance to prove me wrong and vote for something else. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, let's. Um, we go, uh, this does contain two stories, and you've just mentioned a minute, moment ago about the shorter um, Swedish stories at the moment. So this is a story with a filler, the Heart of Darkness, parts uh, chapter six, part three. Now we're going to um, wait and review the two Heart of Darkness stories together tonight that we've got. Um, so we'll start just with the Pit of Doom. Um, the story is from a, a uh, author who hasn't got lots of fandom stories published. Um, and has had a bit of a gap, if I'm correct. Uh, Di Carlstrom, um, you, you probably know more there, Germ. She had a couple of stories published, I'm going to say even in the early 90s or 80s. Uh, 80s. So she was under a different name. She's been married. Um, well, no, she is married and has changed her name. So most people wouldn't know that name. But um, the name that most people would Knower of is uh, Di Darrell. Um, and then the stories that she has written, which people will be aware of, is Hero's Death Sentence, um, which is the story where, which is referenced in this story actually, where Hero is basically very close to dying and then someone saves him. Uh, he actually said a phantom cry um, and come very, very close to ending Hero's life after an accident as well. Uh, the Water of Life was another interesting one. And one of the ones that I really enjoyed was the White Slave Trade as well. So um, prior to this one, she's only done 16 stories. Um, and then the last story was eight, 1986. So right. So I think that's the, because 16 stories is not nothing. That's a, that's a significantly mm. published author, but to um, have over 30 year gap between yeah. the publication of stories, that's probably more the, more the yeah. story there so hopefully, hopefully she's getting back into writing the phantom because mm. um we'll get into it in a moment but uh this is quite a uh, the pit of doom is um quite a well story for mine. you enjoyed it yeah i did i did it's um as long as you sort of you've, you've got to park a little bit of phantom um at the door if you like or more or more move him into um a mad max or a water world type um universe which is <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she's done it well. She's she's made it possible in today's society well by having the Singh Pirates have this floating um, gambling den offshore in international waters sort of thing. 
but there's certainly more than a hint of that uh, dystopian future uh, once once the Phantom is uh, brought in shackles onto the uh, man-made island. Yeah, it's you know it, it is a comic as well. Don't forget. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, the thing that I find interesting um, about these shorter stories is that writers have to be a little bit more creative in filling in the backstory. And I, for one, you know, I enjoyed how we were straight into it and then we got the the previous backstory of well, a couple of weeks and, you know, prior and, and then I think we actually got two flashbacks. Yeah, we got two flashbacks to help fill in the gaps. And so I, for one, enjoyed that. Um, I know some people probably won't. Um, but it's quite common in TV shows and, and, and stuff like that as well. Like Arrow um, has the flashbacks, has the flash forwards as well. Um, so it, it's a fairly common way of telling stories in today's comic environment so um absolutely that that structure is and and again uh, died did a great job of um finishing the story in a hurry too so it was almost like let's just tell the most interesting parts of the story we don't need all of that complicated orientation part of the Mm. structure we don't need the um the resolution really um and find out what happened at the end let's just tell the most exciting part and yeah yeah we 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 cut the fluff yeah. And we've just got the exciting. And to be fair, it's not just written by uh, Dyer. It's also written by Magnus Carlin, um, who has, this is his first story, and he's got another one as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to learn a little bit more about him as we go along as well. Probably the one, the one thing that I have probably, well, there's probably two things, but it's to do with the one plot. And that's the ape freeing the phantom and then him jumping ashore. But yeah. that bit kind of was the biggest stretch, but I can understand why they did that because they had to, like you said, they had to kind of tie up the the resolution quicker. Um, but then I did like the bit on page 21 uh, where the bad guy is saying, how long do I have to stay still? And then they got the other guy saying, you know, they were right when I, when they said I'd chosen the wrong career, you know that was that was yeah. kind of funny. So I kind of I kind yeah. of thought that was amusing, but um, yeah, the the, the ape rescuing the phantom was a little bit far fetched, probably a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit more far fetched than the water world. Well, it's certainly built on it's certainly yeah. built on that. Yeah. No, um, by that stage you've got to go. Well, I'm all in on this fantasy, but you're right. That did become more far fetched. Um, I, I agree with everything you've just you've just said there that was the the gorilla turning was a real plot point to just say right we need to we need to wrap this up we need to get it moving again. yeah uh, but it wasn't it's not by far the weakest story we have seen oh um, no no i think it's probably in if i was to say weak story average story above average and then great story i would say it's probably an above average story okay probably, what, what was the I option was below to, uh, so weak average above average good story yeah look in terms of modern stories i think it's above average uh, yeah. in, the, in the grand scheme of things it's probably between average and, and above average but uh you know uh that <laughs> let, let's rank them when we get to our best of podcast yeah, um, yeah. 
the artwork, we, the the artwork from uh, Rafa Ruiz has got the pencils on this one and Coral Martinez, both of whom we're going to have written interviews with on the pod, on the website uh, at some points very soon. Um, <laughs> you enjoyed the, the artwork? I, so, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed the art. I enjoyed like the panels, like like just this one here of like the close-up of the, of the ape. Um, just very, very good. And then... Um, I enjoyed this bit here on the other page. So I'm talking about page 16 and 17 where you've um, got the guy saying, oh, I'll bet my two slaves. And then he just walks past him and says, I'll come after you later. And like, yeah. you see the phantom in the foreground, but you don't see the whole bit of the family. You just, then you see the guy in the background basically wetting himself. You know, there was just those little elements that I really enjoyed. Um, the other thing that I did enjoy was the last two pages. From oh, the, yes, with continuation. Uh, the, the, hmm. Yep. So it's interesting that, you know, Sandal's still around, which we know, but, um, you know, but then there's a bit of unrest with Sandal and then the other higher beings where, um, yeah, Sandal Singh will be furious when she hears what you have done. You know, so obviously... She's still in charge and she's still got a soft spot for the Phantom, which we are aware of. And then yeah. in the in the last panel, as the guy's getting taken away by ninjas that were like about to behead him, you know, you could you could kind of see the resentment between the relationship with Sandal and the Phantom, and they're not quite happy with how Sandal's floating between the bad and the good side and, and stuff like that. So I kind of like those last two pages as it kind of added something to the continuation as well. Okay. Well, you've read way more into those few lines than I have. Um, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. One thing I was going to ask before we move on, um, it's about the cover again. Uh, Heart of Darkness is not referenced on the cover as well. Mm. Wouldn't this just have been a whole heap better if there'd been a big um, Heart of Darkness part six, uh, chapter six, part three or whatever? A branding uh, somewhere here. I'm not sure, you know, I know where you're coming from, but if you've actually <laughs> looked at some of the last previous, um, they've always been putting it on the back cover. Um, obviously, there is no back cover. Not in on this the back case. cover either. Um, but, you know, <laughs> anyway, like if you look at I'm not going to harp one, on that. <laughs> it is there as well. So I, I get the point that you're making, but yeah. Um, right. And don't forget, you'll be able to vote for this as your uh, top cover and in soon as well. You could also vote for this as your top cover, which is 1854 by Jean Boyce. Sorry? Or your top story. Or this could be one or the other. They're, they're all options. Everything that we've reviewed so far this podcast and indeed this year. So um, Evil Lurks in the Night is the next story we're going to look at. It's 1854 from Fru. It's got the cover by Jean Boyce, as I uh, suggested. Um, there's a lot to talk about with the story itself. Um, let's start with the cover. What did you think of this one, Jim? I've seen the original version of this. And then I've yes, seen this. Yes, and there's your problem, isn't it? Yeah, this... I don't, I, I don't like this cover. Uh, I'll just be truthfully honest. Um, the original cover... I liked a lot more than this. But in saying that, that's just my opinion. Like I was talking to someone who knows a lot more about Phantom Art than me, and he said that he loved this cover and it was one of his favourite ones. So, you know, that's art for you. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm now I'm going to call him one because that might be how you pronounce it as well. But I think I saw this in the same place, the, the original in the same place that you did, which was when one boy uh, published it on Facebook side by side with the through the mm. finished product. Um, and it's fair to say he would have agreed with you that he wasn't pleased with the way, particularly the colors had come out. He didn't uh, whether say that, but he, he, if you read a little bit into the way how he put the original and then the free version side by side, you, if you read a little bit between the lines, you could probably agree that he's not happy with the reproduction either. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. um, look, it would have been interesting to see if we'd got it the way, the coloured the way that uh, he had intended it to be. Because if you look at the actual um, image, um, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's quite good. And it very much, um, obviously, because he's also the artist for the interiors, uh, very much mm. represents the story. So it's a shame that uh, the colours didn't go where he wanted them to go. Um, and so he was probably, you know, as you say, happy to put a social media post up comparing the two and asking fans which one they thought was better. And it, uh, it came down pretty heavily um, against what was published in the end. But Yeah. Anyway. I wonder how much fruit has and say about that or whether it's, you know, whether or not they, you know, had to change it or, or whatever or, or whether oh, it look, was. Oh, look, at the end of the day, it's twofold, isn't it? Because yeah. someone, someone has coloured this and we don't know who that is um, yeah. and, and certainly not having a go at anyone whoever had done it just to say that, you know, some people will like it, mm. some people won't. Um, so the artist who did it and then at the end of the day, Fru have approved it and said, yep, let's go to print mm. with it. So it's, it's a two... It's a twofold. Yep. Anyway, the story, the story itself, uh, Evil Lurks in the Night. Uh, this is written by Peter Anderson, who has was also the author, uh, through readers would recognise him from the story Jungle Love uh, sure. from the trade paperback. Probably fair to say that this is uh, a different type of story. Mm. Yeah, and we put that in our notes purely because to kind of highlight the fact that <laughs> it's the same writer, but it's totally different it's like you know we're talking about um psychedelic before it's like you know must be you know dual personality or something (laughs) it's humorous that is is evil psychedelic (laughs) evil lurks in the night is a horror story there's there's no other way of, of putting it um there's a bit of um convoluted backstory really i'm going to say in terms of the third phantom and rescuing an assessment for the king but it's all just an excuse to put him in this really and you've got to read it to understand how you can go from being a um a guy who's the phantom who spent a year in the job and comes back to london to visit his uni mates for want of a better term um who in the first hour uh thwarts an assassination attempt of the king decides he's got to chase the assassin down um, ultimately finds allowed the assassin to, is allowed right? to by the king as well the king allows him to go which is fairly far-fetched as well and uh, and ultimately winds him winds up in a can, in a cave with uh, an underwater cave with 50 plus cannibals from an incestuous family so it's um <laughs> you know when you when you put it as bluntly as that it seems like how the hell could you do that but it's been done um mm. and and effectively like every every the plot points were a little bit heavy, but yeah, okay, I see why he did that to get to that. Um, but to be fair, the Swan, the Swanee Bean and his family did exist as well, so it's not like he, it was all from his imagination. 
No, I figured it probably was yeah. from some sort of legend or, um, you know, uh, and all legends have their basis in some sort of mm. uh, fact. So um, anyway, it's, it's an entertaining read. If, you, if you're into your horror stories, you'll probably love it. Um, for, that, for, that, um, for this story, I think one or Joan Boyce was the perfect yes. artist. Yes, agree. Particularly it's- in black and white, which is how we've seen it. Um, yep. And in fact, well, it, it hasn't been published anywhere else, has it? So, no, because um, it's actually it's, a Fru story. It's not a Swedish story. It's been commissioned story. by Fru. Yep, yes. absolutely. Which I thought was interesting how Dudley had to um, uh, highlight that fact. <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> I've actually message, gone read the message. His message from the publisher. Um, a first appearance, it may be confused with an Egmont story, but I can reassure you that it is a freshly minted first publication by, by Fru. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, yeah. It's in the Fruniverse, not in uh, Team Phantomen world. Yeah, if you want to talk about those, but I enjoyed it. Um, interesting that it's a longer, a longer story. It's not the twenty-four or twenty-two pages. It's gone the full, you know, thirty-two. Is it thirty-two pages? Thirty-one. Um, 31. Oh, 31 thirty-four. Pages. Sorry, thirty-four. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. So. 32. It starts on page three. So it's a 32 page story. Um, And look, it probably did feel a bit drawn out in the end. Um, The last, the the Phantom, neither the Phantom nor Kit Walker appears on the last five pages. And it's got to be pretty unusual. Page 30 onwards. I like that. Because it, you know, it, and I get get your point, but it kind of, Especially in a sense, it's like this is a through story, so it's not like it's a phantom team phantom end story where they've got their their cut off has to be this number of pages. This is through through have got thirty six pages to fill in a free comic. So if they want to add extra pages, they they can. The only thing that it's going to do is cost them extra money. And I like the fact that it kind of you know gives a little bit extra about what's going on. And then there's the, you know, there's the, the survivors, I guess you could say with their own little, um, uh, swine, I guess you want to call them better. <laughs> um, I kind of like it cause it, it, you know, you know, sometimes you get some movies and it wraps up nicely and then you get other movies where it's like, it leaves it, totally open and then it's just ends there and you never get a sequel or anything like that but it's always just hanging there and it can like nag at you this has the potential to do that and it allows the legend to be carried on as well and the phantom can't always solve every problem so i like the drawn out ending all right no worries well um look I, th- I, I think it was a, 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 an enjoyable story. You've got to probably be in the mood for it. Um, yes. And you know what? I, I was thinking about oh, well, younger audiences and that sort of thing. While I probably wouldn't give this to Gus, my 10-year-old, to, to read, if he found it, and he'd probably be pretty horrified. He's probably too young to read it. But um, a 13, 14-year-old, I think, would still yeah. quite enjoy this. And that's the sort yeah. of age where you enjoy though well for me anyway that was the sort of age where i enjoyed those sort of horror flicks before i grew out of them again <laughs> like you know what was it um i knew what you did last summer and scream and all those yeah yeah pathetic movies <laughs> yeah and oh the, the plot to this is better than that so <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, All right. True. Now, we're going to get on to, um, unless you've got anything else you want to say on that one. No, happy to move on. All right. We're going to get on to a story that I know that you have been chomping at the beat to talk about, and that's Blood Rain and uh, issue one, uh, 1855, published by Fruit. Um, why don't you tell us why you've been so looking forward to, um, to talking about this story? Okay, so for those who don't know, it's a Team Phantom Men story. Um, we've done an article about it. We've also done a review on it online as well, um, where we've talked about the concept and also about the, you know, how the flow of eight different artists coming together. Doing yeah, wait up. The You're one just story. skipping over that. What are you talking about eight different artists? Explain. Okay, so this is called... So we're free readers uh, are used to jam covers. Supernova issues for the past, what, three, four years have all yep. featured a jam cover, which is featuring four to six different artists doing different panels and it's being jammed together onto a cover, you know, with the Supernova. So this is the same concept, but eight different artists doing three different pages each in a story. So we've got starting off with for the YouTube videos, we're starting off with Sal Valudo, and then we go off to Henya Bade, then we go to Alex Suviak, um, then we're going to join Brooks, uh, then um, Carrie Lepinan, then we got uh, Carlos Pedranzi. Uh, this is probably the weakest, from the weakest point of view with the art. Then you've got, which was Carlos's, then you've got Caesar Spadera. And then you're ending off with Rafa uh, Ruse, who we were just talking about as well. So you've got there's a lot of different going on. Um, it would have been a, would have been a huge task. Um, it's to be fair, it is a um, a concept to try and get interest and try and get some sales in the sense that it's something different than you know it's, a, it's got that novelty type of feel that we haven't seen it before. Um, is, so, is that effective in terms of getting sales though? Because you don't know that that's the case until you pick it up and you've taken it home anyway. Um, probably from new readers, no. But in the sense of, say, for instance, if you're a casual reader, you or you, you know, you might pick it up because it's something different. And this is the point that I, I think that it should, probably should have been a special issue, like say, for instance, a supernova issue or. You know, because it, it had the potential and potential to have a little bit of hype. And obviously, the hype's not going to be as big, probably as in Fruit as it is in Team Phantom Men, in the sense that it was a, a Phantom Men story rather than a Fruit story. But I think it could have had a little bit of, you know, hype. And it, uh, you know, it could have had a jam cover to go with it as a supernova issue. Um, you know, something a little bit different. Uh, could have been, you know, part of, I don't, I, you know, there's different, there's different ways, um, you know, it couldn't be like a, a Christmas special because we've already got like, like that Christmas special, which is the daily and Sunday stories. But, you know, it, I, I just felt like maybe through Mr. Boat a little bit in the sense that it was an, it was a cool novelty and it just got, slapped in a single issue rather than something that might have oh. had a little bit more hype. So I, I understand what you're saying. I can and I can see your argument, but 
I also remember we had almost exactly this discussion on the last podcast when we talked about um, Matt Kimes' story, uh, yeah. the Ray Moore replica, so to speak. And, um, you know, if, if really cool and interesting and novel things like this are popping up once every four to six weeks, which is as often as we're recording, mm. then maybe they don't need to be part of the, uh, don't need to be a special. There's just a lot of special things happening at Fru. Um, yeah. and, and even the day-to-day ones are worth it. picking up. So, yeah, no, that's that's definitely, and you know, it's. I don't think, you know, I don't think everyone will agree with what I said. I think, you know, to be honest, probably some people will just look at it and go, yeah, yeah, it was just a normal story, (laughs) and and that's well. Okay, so we and we do want to talk about the story because it deserves its own um, yeah yeah, yeah. as as a story in the art. So let's let's talk about the art and the way that those eight different artists came together. And there's a really um, insightful and instructive uh, essay yeah. from Andreas, the author, at the end of the essay, which I really enjoyed. It was fantastic to read that. Um, if you, and this, this is difficult to park your knowledge to one side, but if you didn't know that there was eight different artists and you just picked it up casually and you sort of skipped, you're, you're a new reader, you skipped over that box, how far through do you realize, do you reckon you'd realize what was going on? Um, I think the Henya Bade was fairly obvious because it's, you know, going from Sal to Henya, there's that's a big difference. You know, Sal's clean. But but as and um, as Andreas points out, it's done really cleverly because you don't yeah. ever see that. You, you know, you're on sales page and you turn over and it's a whole, and so you don't yeah. have them to compare side by side. Yeah. I think that's cleverly done. I think that's. Yeah. Really well, a couple of the other pages don't do that from memory. Like Henya to Alex, don't do it. Um, no, well, it comes in threes. It's yeah. going to happen every time, but, but it is a different scenes as well. Yeah. 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 No, um, I think, yeah, there was, what I would have, I will admit, like, it would have been cool to see, um, and I'm going to have to dig out the issue again, it would have been cool if, because basically all the flashback parts of the story was while it was raining. It would have been cool if that was, like, in just black, white, and red, you know, like the old newspaper style. And then even the rest was, you know, so it would have been cool to kind of see the colour the color changes because I think that would have yeah. helped identify the art a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah although if it had had the one colorist do the whole story, then that might have blended them a little bit too. Yeah, true, true. It could have. Um, I, th- I agree with what you said earlier about um, the the t- the only time. Well, it's it's because of the the clever idea of Andreas to have the older artists and the ones we're more familiar with do the flashbacks. Um, yeah. I think that really helped highlight what you know what's happening now and what has happened in the past. That really yeah. helped, um, and the fact that every scene finished and a new artist took over for the next scene. I think that really helped. It was it was Carlos Pedro. Um, it was Carlos Pedro, Pedrazini's <laughs> part that I thought. Um, yeah, I would agree. That sort of stood out and and was um, the the bit that was I guess glaringly different to the rest. It just was a, it, it's a very different style. Yeah, that, and, you know, obviously there is different styles because we're talking about different eight 
different artists, but it was, I guess, I, I hate dishing artists and stuff, but it almost seemed unprofessional or not at the high standard of what the other artists were. Um, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have been that harsh, to be honest. <laughs> but um, it, it, it didn't, it, it's, it's more simplistic. Um, yeah. And, it's, and again, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a very different type of style. So it's mm. far, and, and simplistic is what I'm going to come back to. Um, yeah, and, and I like, I like the simplistic in a sense. But it just, yeah, it just, I don't know. It, sure, you know. Unfortunately, it's a natural thing, isn't it? When there's eight artists lined up together inside the same story, you're going to say, well, which one was my favourite and which one was, was yeah. um, at the other end. So, um, yeah. Anyway, as, as a concept, I really liked it. Um, mm. as, a, as the way that it was executed, I really liked it as well. And, and a lot of it has to do, and I know... Um, Andreas sort of says, oh, it was just an idea that I had, but I think it was a really important idea, the way yeah. that he chose or they chose which artists drew which scenes. Mm. And it will be interesting because it, it definitely allows room for more of the same concept in the sense of, you know, we've got the fact that the Phantom has lost his memory. And I'll, I'll, I'll be straight up, I'm not a fan of the, of the amnesia. Uh, drug the band okay band so we're talking about drug. the story now um, yeah but it will be so yeah so it'll be interesting to see whether they do this again using the same concept and the same story or whether they just just have a story where the phantom's reading from chronicles and and they use that way of having another jam or whether yeah. they follow on with the story so well, you can't is, you can't do it yeah. twice. I don't think it. You know, you you can't you couldn't come again and write another story where the fandom has been affected by Bandai amnesia powder. I mean, it is the sort of thing that you use it once and you can't go back well, there. There's in it, in a sense like this. Oh yeah, it, it does it does say that you know that there was the I think it's kind of hanging in the sense that there is the potential that falling on from this story that there could be other adventures but i also think that it it sets a precedent or sets a a model or or, or whatever or a, a blueprint where they could have another jam story with the phantom reading adventures from the chronicles whether it's to do with this story plot or not but it'll be interesting to see whether they do do that yeah or whether it's fair just enough. a once-off fair enough did you like the right. actual story uh, yeah, I did. I did like the actual story. Um, I actually thought it was, um, it had a very fork feel to it while it used the, um, because I guess of Witch Mountain and that sort of stuff, Witchman's Mountain and that sort of stuff, mm. um, while it was still using the the law that Tony DePaul has brought in, like the Bandar's amnesia powder is one of his inventions. So um, it, it had a very um, genuine uh true to what I understand to be phantom law mm. feel to it. So I quite enjoyed it in that sense. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think it was, um, I'm glad we got it. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to move on. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, moving on, we are talking about heart of darkness because, um, 
chapter six, parts three and four have been in these episodes. Chapter part four was in um, Blood Rain, which we've just finished talking about, and uh, part three was in the Pit of Doom. Um, I my one step plan for this was because you read them and I don't. I was going to let you talk about them while I flicked through, and um, I'll either add nothing or a little once you finish talking about Heart of Darkness. Um. I don't, to be honest, I don't really think there's much we could really add. Like, there's, you know, we're kind of just wandering around the countryside, I guess, you know, getting some information that we can use towards the end game, I think. All right. I think we're pretty close to, I think Dudley said in one of the messages of the publisher, there's like 13 or, or parts left or something like that. Um, so there's, you know, maybe a dozen parts left. So uh, maybe another year of this story. Um, and so it just kind of feels like we're gathering some information and then we're going to have the end the end part where we're dealing with the... Oh, I can't remember what number Phantom this is, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. First, second or third Phantom. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of the first, second or third phantom in this. Um, but, you know, I don't really think there's much more we can really add to it. Um, yeah. I don't All right, think then. There is. I think we'll just <laughs> leave not, it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Um, having clicked through it, it is certainly art by Jean Boish, and um, I like it, but, um, yeah, I'm not going to read it. it yeah, All right. it's, it's harder to, it's, it is hard to follow. I think you definitely have to be a fan, a hardcore fan, or basically um, having to do a podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, well, it's not getting me reading it, even though I do a podcast. Let's let's talk about something more interesting, um, and that is Giant Size Phantom number 10. Now, uh, we've actually got number Giant 10. Size 10 and 11 to review because somehow we overlooked Giant Size 10. Um, last time we did the comics and news. So apologies, giant size fans uh, who were, you know, I'm sure on the edge of their seats as we uh, went through the podcast, just waiting for us to uh, to talk about giant size 10. We never got to it. Um, let's talk about it. Now, it actually you, was a very phantom heavy giant size. Possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you, the most you joke, you joke, but there was, the reason we actually realised we missed it was actually because someone, a listener, actually got in contact with us and said, Where's your review of Giant Size 10? And I said, oh, I'll be there somewhere. And then he goes, no, I don't think it is. And so, you know, you, you joke, but someone has actually contacted us and saying, you have forgotten the issue. Can you please review it? <laughs> so a huge shout out to Shane, um, one of our uh, dedicated uh, listeners, who um, pointed out to us that we have dropped the ball. <laughs> and uh, it was new, it was a bad ball to drop because, as I said, very phantom heavy um, issue of giant size. In fact, uh, at least three stories um, that are phantom stories, which is probably I think mostly we get one phantom story in a giant size. Uh, this has got three. Yeah, and um, I, I this is probably my most favourite giant size. I would say. Um, so what the Phantom stories we've got is Sir Phantom, Knight of the Round Table, which is a, a Ulf Granberg and Jamie Val um, story. It's been voted like top Phantom story for 
you know, a few different times. And it's a, Has it's it a really? classic. Yeah, it's a classic little yarn. I'm assuming you didn't is like it? it. Is it though? Has yeah. it really? Yeah. This has not been voted yeah. best yeah. Like story. Yeah, I'm has it sure really? it has. Let's have a look. No. Uh, maybe it hasn't. I thought it did. I mean, I, I'm gonna. T- I didn't hate it, but there's not. It's not a best fandom story, surely. While you look that up, I'll go over the others. So that's a that's a reprint from um, the first time it's been reprinted for a long time. It was originally written in 1975. It has appeared in a fru before. Um, has it, and has no, it hasn't been. I'm sure I read. Uh, it hasn't been published in a fandom in by Fru before. Was an Egmont story. The story takes place before the Eye of Merlin in Fru 11 in, in, in 1338. It's been printed here for the first time. Yes, you're right. Um, so it did reference, though, um, another story or, or was about another, around the. It, it wasn't an unfamiliar tale, let's put it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. There's been elements that have been produced yeah. before. Okay. There's the stories so, where the phantom gets the sword and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. So very quickly, the phantom has a dream or is magically encanted or however you want to put it. Uh, back to the days of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and uh, Merlin the Magician and all that sort of stuff. So um, I'd be stunned to be honest if that was in 1975. That can't have been best story of the year. I'm just uh, where are we? Best story winners. Uh, Sweden. Just trying to find. You put it in its place. Story. It's a fantasy story. If you if you just go, okay, here's what it is, and I'll enjoy it as a piece ah, of fan fiction. Well, they haven't because um, they didn't start doing the votes until 1978. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, well, the I, Olf, of if you're listening to this, I apologise. I don't want to sound incredulous that it might be considered the best story, but um, it's it's not terrible. But yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, let's a, talk about it while we're yeah. here, and and I've already sort of said what I think about it. That it's uh, you I know, enjoy it. enjoy it for what it is. Um, yeah, sort of, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's a story. It's an excuse to get into the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, yeah, and you got to remember it was created for the Swedish, Scandinavian, European market, and those elements were probably more more interested for. The, the readers of that time of, in Europe are probably more interested than what, say, us in 2019 are. So. I just, I, I, even without that, like it was interesting enough, as I said, but just any time, so the earliest Phantom was what, 1535? The first Phantom yeah. took his oath or was born or something. Uh, 1535, if you're going to suddenly go and set that character thousands and thousands of years earlier, then hundreds, mate. Hundreds. A thousand. When when was King Arthur? Well, King Arthur. Well, was debate whether King Arthur was even. Um, exactly. So, anyways, let's say a thousand. But yeah, um, it's not thousands. But yeah, okay. But still, <laughs> it may as well be. Once you go back a hundred years, it's still not the character. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, not the and Sweden has well, Team Phantom and has had a history of. You know, there's been the whole Phantom Gladiator. There's been the whole, you know, there's been other elements and stuff like that, which and probably they've sent him into the future with the the Cyber um, Phantom. So, yeah, well, the Cyber Phantom was based in today's world, but there was the there was the 2050 
phantom. Yeah. So lots lots of possibles and maybes. This is a definitely mm. a impossible and not really, but a fun story, I suppose. Yeah. If you read it as it was all a big dream. I think that's probably the best way of putting it is that it's, I don't think it was supposed to be adding to the phantom law. I think it was just, Hey, let's stick the phantom with, with King Arthur. And with let's King Arthur. Fun. I want to write a King Arthur story and I have to read, write phantom stories. Let's yeah. Let's fun. have it. Let's have a bit of fun. <laughs> you know? So um, anyway, in that yeah. sense, it was fun enough. Um, what about revenge of the sing pirates? Now this is, has had been printed in a Charlton before um, by Joe Gill and Pat Boyette. Um, it's uh, only a short little story, um, four, six Which pages, they, something like that. They all are. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't mind the story. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, the, the Charlton stories of that era, and we've talked about it in past giant sizes, we've talked about it in our reviews with, um, with the Jim Apparel book and stuff like that. They are what they are. They're short, they're cheaply made. Um, you know, the, the writer's basically just giving room for the artist to shine. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. There's some, there's some nice panels, but, you know, the stories aren't going to win. Story of the year. And I just think that, um, you know, little, they're little things, but they're important things and they're not hard things to get right. So, for instance, the Sing Pirate Ship has a flag and the flag um, in a black and white version kind of looks, if anything, uh, like kind of like the South African flag, I'm going to like with a, just with the way the arrow yeah. is designed on it and all the rest of it. But it's not the, the seven circles that we know the Sing Pirate flag is, or you could go yeah. to the Spiderweb if you want to go to the movie, but that was disappointing that they didn't use the seven circles. So, okay. So yeah, that's so pretty obvious elements of Phantom Law that they, that they haven't included. So what, what should Free do? Should Free leave it or should they ink it and put the seven circles on it? Oh, no, just leave it. It is what it is. Like giant size, one of the, the points of it is to reproduce. Um, well, there's all sorts of points to giant size um, when you look at what's being put out through it. But one of them is yeah. uh, let's get reprints of old stories exactly as they were. It, this same story has got spelling mistakes that I'm sure um, that Dudley or Glenn would have seen as they went through and edited it. Um, tandem spelt with a U just looks ridiculous. Like there's a, there's a, there's a number of uh, editorial contributions you could make, or you could just go, right, well, well, it's just, where do you draw the line? If you're going to redraw the flag, then you should go back and fix the spelling errors. And if you're going to do that, then you may as well try and tidy up the plot point, you know? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't reckon they even picked up on the spelling mistakes. If, um, if the third fandom's writing hero and picnic spelt with a K, um, I don't think they picked up on those ones either. And that's so, a, a bit uh, of a shout out to Dudley who um, had a little dig at me previously about my English skills. <laughs> um, and the story, you, that was in Blood Rain, wasn't it? That, that, both of those areas? Uh, no, one of this uh, picnic with the K was in Blood Rain and the, th uh, the third Phantom Riding Hero, um, I was speaking to him in a speech bubble. Was in the Evil Lurks, that's right. He was in Evil Lurks, so um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, um, the uh, I guess the one of the reasons why I enjoyed this issue probably more than Giant Size well, Eleven. We, 
can we do can we talk about the third story which is the first one in the book and the first yeah one yeah, yeah that's what yet. i was gonna um get to was okay. the fact that it um it so this so for those who don't because the Phantom Crusader, this is the this is following on from the Egmont story. Uh, yes, the, Glenn, I think, must have an Egmont story back in the distant past that he really quite enjoyed. Um, no, it wasn't actually Lord. that far away. It was fourteen eighty four. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, a, there was a five hundred issues ago. It's not that long ago, mate. Five hundred um, issues. <laughs> <laughs> there, there'd, there'd be lots of publishing companies that would kill to put out 500 issues let alone be following on a story that was had it own, it's one and only printing 500 issues ago <laughs> yeah so i i kind of liked it and i guess it's interesting whether they have to um because this is this is done by the australian duo andrew constant and uh jason paulos um i think jason art matches well with this type of story you know they're busy there's a lot going on there's the you know there's the ship there's the fighting there's the debris from the fighting and um you know it, it matches it quite well um but yeah i i'm intrigued to see kind of what where this goes and um uh, and I suppose the phantoms intrigued to see where it gets up to as well um but yeah it's I enjoyed it. Yeah, and look, while I'm, I'm pretty confident that if I was to go back and read issue fourteen eighty four, I probably would go, oh, that's oh, you would my Phantom. Yeah, you would because um, it's it's basically the Phantom picking up that there could have been someone who is related to who um, was a Crusader, and then there's the Phantom Gladiator. And, yeah exactly you know, there's so the, so there's exactly the, the same sort of thing that i was just Egypt. critical of yeah yeah um phantoms in history before the phantom exists so you know the phantom's got such a rich history why do you unless you've just got a real quirk who i i desperately want to go back and talk about historical events prior to 1535 um you know there's no real need to but anyway i understand why people do i'm a historian myself i enjoy di different periods of history so i understand why you want to do that um i think in terms of the way it's been done it's actually really cleverly done um, to to bring in Minerva Brooks on the last page, mm. who I guess has become, against my own probably better judgment, has become part of the Phantom world because she's been in Team Phantom and stories so often. Um, Tony DePaul might drop her into a, a Sunday panel or something one day and make her real, but until then, um, she's familiar enough that I enjoy uh, seeing her again in this story. So well done, Andrew, for, for bringing that one in. Um, and... Uh, the rest of the story, yeah, it's it's fun. And it, what if a phantom was back then? But, um, yeah, and I wonder whether I wonder oh, I wonder how it kind of fits in with the license as well. Whether they, um, you know, where it fits in with the phantom license or, or something well, I think like that it, as well. The phantom as a character is in the last panel. The yeah. story is called, or oh, if you if you look at the first page of the story, it's called the Phantom Inn coming home so that makes it look no, like the phantom it is crusader coming home look at the screen so see the page the first oh, page okay, the yeah so i was talking about the splash page 
go back. No, no, no. Page. The next page. It's, it does say the Phantom is coming home. So, um, you know, I, that makes it a Phantom story. King Features have got to sign mm. off on this, surely. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I just, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And then you've got um, Sir Falcon, which has got a lot of with what Shane Foley's done as well. And there's a lot of um, fandom influence in that as well. And then you've got the new characters. Now, with correct me if I'm right or wrong, but we've seen the end of the Scorpius, haven't we? That saga. No, I don't think so. Or is that, or is that still going? I thought that. I thought finished. that was still going on. I thought we've seen two parts, and we were, well, we've seen. Uh, Oh, I don't there's, know. There's been eight eight stories. of twelve chapters or something like that is. Hmm. I thought we had finished that. No, I don't. I I don't think so. I think that that was. Um. Oh, you you might be right. You might be right. Because I was just wondering. Because I was reading. Because this has got Sir Falcon, who's Shane's kind of like you know favorite, and there's um uh nothing to do with the Scorpius parts and so i was just wondering i can't remember whether we had actually finished it or not i'm just going through uh, i as i say i kind of expect i pick up a giant size expecting to read more scorpius so um, yeah whether that means it's finished or um i'm just keen to see more <laughs> i'm not sure yeah I don't know. We obviously, we didn't do our research on that part. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I enjoyed... See, the thing that I like Phantom about Wiki this Phantom Wiki doesn't issue, determine either way. Yeah. <laughs> Phantom yeah, Wiki yeah. just confirms that Scorpius is in it. <laughs> the thing I like about this, and I think from a... And this is, I guess, where I didn't enjoy Giant Size 11 as much, is that there's new content in here that's got enough phantom to keep me interested where giant size 11 i haven't read yet i've have not been able to read it um i don't even know where my copy is to be honest because it's that's what it's looked like that's uh, if you're looking yeah, for it I, I love i love the cover from glenn and stuff like that but it's there's not enough phantom in that to from for from a phantom point of view from a phantom reader's point of view to interest me compared to say giant size 10 where there's yep. where there's new stories there's the phantom crusader there's two phantom stories and then there's enough phantom elements in sir falcon to keep me interested and so then i'm reading those and i'm like oh, oh yeah i'm enjoying this i'll keep reading it and you know then there's a, another sir falcon story which he's not the he's not the worst character um you know then there's a phantom range short phantom ranger and then there's the red red archer which wasn't actually too bad. Um, so this Giant Size 10 was probably by far one of the more popular ones that I read and enjoyed. Giant Size 11, um, it didn't do me anything at all. Right. Well, I would say that Giant Size 11, um, I have, I've read more of it than you have by the sense of it. The, 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 you're right, there is far less Phantom content. And I sort of flagged that when I talked about uh, the introduction to Giant Size 10 because uh, that is unusual in the amount of Phantom content mm. we've got in that. So it's probably not surprising that you should like Giant Size 10 given that we're a Phantom podcast and we talk about the yeah. Phantom and it was lots of Phantom. 
Um, Giant size 11 um, probably returns more to the, the typical giant size with, mm. the, with the exception that it has no original content, whereas um, certainly, as you said, with Shane Foley, there has been original content in most of these. Um, the, the Phantom story is the living legend um, and they say at the start, we don't know who wrote it and we don't know um, who drew it. Um, only that this guy who people think did, didn't. Um, it's from Charlton again, and again, typical of the year. It's a, and only a little six-page story. It's, it's nice enough. Um, I, think I, it's a, I, I think it's for, I think it's an Italian artist. Well, you need to get in touch with Glenn because nobody mm. knows. So if you know, uh, let him know. Um, the, the Raven, I actually did then go on and read and I enjoyed that as a story. Um, but it's not Phantom, so I'm not going to discuss it too much. Uh, Catman and Kit, again, I, I read it, I enjoyed it, but, um, I'm not doing a, uh, a Catman podcast, so we're not going to spend heaps of time on it. Um, I've never got into Catman as, as much. Sorry? Catman's not my favorite. No, and um, and and most fandom collectors, I think, are just going to pick this one up. Maybe if they read the the first six or seven pages, mm. and then go, okay, that's nice, and then put it in its bag and board and, and get rid of it, sort of thing. And that's um, where we're lucky that Glenn Lumsden does good covers because it does encourage us to um uh to actually buy it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But again, there's a there's a a whole nother market, I think, mm. for giant sizes that are that are not just Phantom fans. So yeah. I'm sure that they will really love that one. So um, the, the only criticism I'd say of the, the modern criticism that you might have of the living legend story is that the Phantom decides very quickly that he needs to kill an elephant. Um, in the course of one panel, it goes from, there's a crazy elephant and boom, oh, I need to destroy that elephant. So uh, <laughs> he hasn't even cited it. But uh, mm. so the the uh, vegans and, and that mob the, in these days would probably um, have kittens yeah. with that. But uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, can we say that? Anyway. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> vegans will have kittens. I don't know. <laughs> if, if they ring me up, I'll um, pass any complaints to Jermaine Parker uh, in, in Western Australia. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, I really don't care. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, um, we need to move on. This is this yes. is going to be an epic podcast now, especially mm. by the time we um, having heard from Mikel, which we didn't expect. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, thanks, Mikel. You sent us over the two hour mark. It's all your fault. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> um, we do want to talk Steve about another. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, we do want to talk about another book that we've received. Um, in we both we, we both have a copy of, and that's the yeah. O Fantasma. Um, now I'm going to absolutely no idea how to say um, the, the name of that, but it's in search of the lost treasure. Basically, um, is I think the translation in in terms in search of the lost city is my understanding of the translation. Uh, but it's a reprint of um, the Hermes Press commissioned "Danger in the Forbidden City" by Sal Valuto, uh, the artist, and Peter David, the author. Um, you Which have you got can, a copy of this one as well, Jim? Yeah. If you're intrigued about the story, you can actually listen to our past podcast. And actually, Sel has talked a lot about it in his podcast with us as well. So, and we um, did a, um, a YouTube video review of the Hermes Press hard mm, cover of this as well. 
Now, I think the main reason, this is kind of going to fly in the face of what I said previously, but I think the main reason why a lot of people have got their hands on this is because it came with, uh, well, it came with a yes. scullery, um, which, you know, I said previously that I'm not a scullery, I'm not a ring type of person and stuff like that, but I did pick this one up. Um, it's not easy to get a hold of. Your best bet is if you are after this, basically to contact a, a, a fan, phantom fan in Brazil and they'll be able to sort it out for you. It does, it's probably going to set you back 50 bucks minimum, maybe even more than that. Um, but it's a nice book, even if it's, you know, um, obviously, what, hang on, why did you get it for someone who only collects the phantom in your native tongue as yeah that's a good question um because i i did get a copy um and part of it was because of the ring as you say it, it only fits on my pinky but there it is um really fat or it's a small ring it's a tiny ring my, um, <laughs> my eldest daughter can't put it on um and uh, my my middle daughter can but uh um no, the, re the reason I got this was because I was getting other stuff from Brazil. And I thought, well, since there's a box coming from Brazil anyway, I'd ask my contact to get a copy of this and throw it in mm. because I wouldn't have got it um, if that was all that was coming. But because there was yep. a box that was coming and the ring was the extra incentive, um, that's why I picked it up. And, and case in point, mine's still in the shrink wrap. I'm undecided as to whether to open the shrink wrap or not. And I was going to be interested to see what you had to say about the insides and any comparison with Danger in the Forbidden City as to convince me, should I open this up or should I keep it in its pristine? Um, I basically opened it up to be able for tonight's podcast. Um, so it's got the normal trade paperback. It's, um, it's a beautiful printed copy. Um, not sure if you can kind of see that, but there's like, um, uh, background yep. images of, of what it is. Oh, is there? That looks just plain black from... Yeah, so it probably looks, you know, for the YouTube videos, it's not going to be the best, but let's see if I... I mean, for the audio podcast only, it's not going to be the best um, podcast audio, but for the YouTube viewers, you probably still can't see it, but, like, there's attention to detail in this. They're obviously great Graham Nolan fans because they've used this image twice, which was a um, Graham Nolan, um, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, so now I've you've got the two hardcovers here. There is yep. subtle differences. So say, for instance, like this is the Herms one. This, yeah, the sizes are a little bit different. This is the inside with the little skull marks. Uh, the inside of um, the Brazil one is black. Um, and so there's subtle differences. They basically had the artistic license to be able to, there's the back covers, for example. They've had the artistic license or the publishing ability to be able to change some things. Now, I compared some of the interior artwork and the Brazil version, the art, the the colors seem a little bit darker like when you i'm not i know enough to get myself into trouble when it comes to coloring but with printing and stuff like that if there's you need your blacks to be black and your whites to be whites and then if you get the blacks really black and the whites really white it gives you more color or gives you more wider spectrum of color in between the two colors and 
in looking at the two books, I would say that the mythos, the the printing, the, the color, the printing of the color is better than what the Herms is. Really? Um, yeah, but it's pretty much the same book. But this is a good book. So if you if you like me, who likes to get a bit of everything, or if you're a ring collector like Gary or you know some other people and stuff like that, it is worth getting and it is worth hunting down. But you know. For the majority of people, they're probably not going to even bother getting it. Um, but I liked it. I'm glad I got a copy. Um, and yeah, this is by far, you know, this cover is also more important or more favourable to me than the um, Sean Joyce cover as well. Yeah, and and I do have. Um you probably do too. This cover is a as the poster that was sent out to yes. LCSs to advertise. I've got that framed up on the wall, uh, just mm. over there. So um, I do love this. I do love this cover. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that the two, if you put them um, spine by spine, the Danger in the Forbidden City is um, reasonably thicker than the um, than the Mythos book, um, but that may be because it's still shrink wrapped too. The spines do look different. Though. Yeah, no, in danger in the Herms one. Sorry, I'll just again for those on YouTube. Um, so you've got all the the pencils and the ink examples and stuff like that. Like that isn't in the Mythos version. Okay, but the cover so gallery. So those behind the scenes things. Yeah, the article with Sal in trench coat that's not included either. But right. the cover gallery is included. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So there's a little, there's extra stuff in here, and it's a great article, and I love seeing Sal in a trench coat. Uh, you know, it's very iconic, it's, it's very cool and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I like the fact that it's not just a carbon copy. Um, yeah. So I, I do like that. Um, you know, they do look nice. They're going up in my bookshelf behind me. But and is I'm there? Happy. There's nothing in here that I'm not going to be able to see in no, the. No. Uh, there's no. There's no fresh art or anything for no. the mythos. And I, if I was you, I would keep it shrink wrapped. Sounds like it's staying in the shrink wrap. Yeah. But the the rings come out of its bag, and uh, I really do like um, that. That's a unique ring that uh, not everybody in Australia is going to have. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty happy to have that. It's a nice design. It's too small. Yeah. I wish it was bigger, but I'm not sure whether it will be interested to know whether it was designed to wear or whether it was just a, just like a, you know, a cracker jacker bonus at the yeah. bottom of the cereal box. Well, and it's, it's, it's not a heavy metal. It is metal, yeah. um, which is cool. Uh, it's not a heavy metal. It, you know, I'm sure that again, if I gave it to my 10 year old son, it probably would fit his finger, but I haven't even yeah. shown it to him because he's not getting it. it. Uh, and I have a feeling <laughs> if he sees it and knows it fits him, he's going to take it. So uh, it's going on the high shelf out of reach of small hands. <laughs> Very wise. All right. Well, that's pretty much the best that we can do in terms of reviewing um, Mythos publications. Um, at this stage, uh, Jermaine uh, did get some of the earlier Mythos ones from in the last podcast, and we had a bit of a chat about those. But if you're an actual Brazilian who lives in um, in South America and has access to these and can review those for us, or indeed if you're in Norway and uh, you want to review a fun, the Fantomet 
issues for us or in Hungary and you want to review those issues for us. Um, I guess the only rider is that we Porsche marks can only speak English. So you need to be able to be able to review them in English for us. Um, we'd love to be able to do that and uh, have them on the podcast in the same way that we have with uh, Mikel. So um, anyone who's listening who can do those, uh, by all means, get in touch with us. All right, so that pretty much brings us to the end. It's um, been a longer one because there was a lot to get through and, and Mikel basically just wouldn't shut up. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm joking, Mikel. That, that's Australian humour, mate. I am I'm absolutely having a go. It was a real pleasure to have you on and uh, really loved hearing from you and uh, the conversations that we had about uh, not just the, the comics, but your card game as well. Very excited for that one. Yeah. So in the meantime, um, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, today's episode. Um, if you've enjoyed it enough that you'd like to contribute rather than continue to get a free podcast, uh, there's ways that you can do that. If you go to the website, you'll see a link there for our Patreon account. Um, that's a, a place where you can um, donate and support in the podcast from as little as a dollar a month. Um, if you support at $5 a month, you get access to the uh, Phantom Preservation Project, which is a digital um, online treasure trove of all things Phantom. Uh, it's growing all the time. There are some more additions to come in December. School holidays are upon me, so I've got the chance now to, uh, to move a bunch of stuff across to that. Um, looking forward to putting in some, some new things for people to enjoy for their Christmas breaks. And there is a little Christmas bonus that uh, everyone's going to enjoy, we hope. Um, do, I, do I want to give more clues than that, Jim? No, no. I think basically last year we, last year we gave five. We, I don't know. We just had basically gave access to five or ten things for everyone and we just want to do it again yep uh so that is you mean for everybody not just the five dollars yeah yeah not yeah not fans not not patreon five dollars it's kind of for everyone just to kind of give you a bit of a taste of what you can have access to and okay all right well i news to me uh but i'm sure it's something we can do as well it's on the run sheet mate (laughs) (laughs) i read the run sheet that's not what it said I, I actually, now that I reread it and, and think about it in your context, yes, I get that, but I didn't see that in the first instance. Doesn't matter. We'll make sure that it happens and everybody has a, uh, an opportunity to do some merry phantoming. Um, we do have, in addition to that, some prizes that we like to give out uh, to our Patreon supporters because we so appreciate what they do. Um, the summer seasonal prize, which uh, you drew, Germ, about a week ago, Paul Mulrooney. Yes. Paul Mulrooney? Paul, Paul Mahoney, surely that's supposed to be. That's an M. Uh, yeah, Paul Mahoney uh, is his name, isn't it? I don't know. Paul. Paul, what's his face? <laughs> That's how you spell it. Is Paul Mahoney. Or was it with an O? I don't know. I know, like, I know, an, I know two other people with the last name that says it exactly the same way. It's different spelling. I actually know another guy called Paul Mahoney as well. And it's a different spelling, so... Yeah. All right. Well, some guy called Paul, who supports us on Patreon, uh, now has nine more cards than he used to have in his Phantom Gallery Series 2 collection. And all of them are signed by um, some Australian, but some international artists as well, um, which was uh, the Summer Series prize, um, the Summer Season prize that uh, that he won through Patreon. Um, another Patreon prize 
prior to that was um, the Jim Aparo book, which Jermaine's mentioned this podcast. Uh, that's the, the collection of Jim Aparo's work as produced by Hermes Press, who we know does beautiful work. And uh, that was picked up by Mark Haywood. And uh, both of those guys um, have received their prizes now and uh, are very happy to have them. So uh, we do like to look after our patrons wherever we can. And uh, it's more than just you giving us money and never seeing anything from it. So uh, thank you yes. very much, guys. Uh, we are going to have a special, uh, well, we, we've been doing these seasonal draws. We are, we've sort of backlogged with prizes, if you like, which is a good problem to have. And so uh, to help solve that um, at Christmas, um, in the sort of the week before Christmas, we're going to have another special Patreon draw. Um, and uh, there are two prizes for that. One of them is that there were five, um, five cards uh, signed that were left over that Paul did not choose. So um, those and will I'm go to showing them on for the YouTube viewers now. So there's Marcelo Bays, Wendell uh, Cavalanti, it's late, uh, Paul Mason, uh, Shane Foley, uh, Jamie Johnson, and uh, Jason Paul. So there's actually six there. Perfect. Okay. So so six more cards, and, and you just heard the, audit, the artists there who have signed those. Um, or, and Jermaine, I'll get you to hold this up, or you can be my barrel girl, um, a copy of Lightning Strikes Number 2. barrel girl we've ever had. <laughs> this, is, this is signed as well. So can you talk and, and tell us about that one, Jim? Yeah, so uh, we all know how rare these are. These are rarer than hen's teeth, uh, rarer than probably fruit number one. We've seen um, the issue, <laughs> but uh, we've seen the image, but uh, not a lot of people have held the comic. Yeah, yeah, so this is actually signed by Jamie Johnson. So huge shout out to Jamie, uh, who basically um, uh, helped us with this donation. Um, and so the first winner gets to choose either between the cards or the comic, and then the second gets the other one, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the only way that you're going to be in the draw for those is if you are a Patreon subscriber on the 15th of December. We've decided that that's the date that we're going to draw it. Um, the podcast, uh, it's the 7th as we record now. Um, it should be out by the 8th or 9th. So that'll give you a better week from, from the time the podcast drops. If you're interested in uh, entering those uh, that competition, then make sure that you are on. And there's no limit. You don't have to be a $5 or a 10 or whatever it is. Subscriber, you if you're a Patreon subscriber, you are in that competition. So um, yes. let's get on board with that. And, and speaking of which, we should say thank you very much to a couple of new subscribers we've picked up since the last Comics and News in Gary Horn and David Ennis. Guys, we really appreciate your support. Mm. It helps us do what we do. Uh, which we love and, and we hope that you get something out of as well. So thank you very yeah, much to Gary and David. Thank you. Right. So um, all of that, as I said, the Patreon uh, links are at our website, which is www.chroniclechamber.com, which is um, where you need to go to, to find out anything that we've been doing. Um, look forward to you getting on board and reading some stories there, whatever. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, we are uh, probably most reliably on email, um, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Um, hit us up there. Uh, you can, of course, try and uh, get on touch. And Jermaine's very good, really, at, at uh, being on top of the social media. So um, we're on Facebook at chroniclechamber.com. We also administer the Phantom Collector Group on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at chronicle underscore tweet and on Instagram at Chronicle Chamber, so you can find us there. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, or if you um, have an Android phone, uh, we're available via apps like Spotify or Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, 
uh, listen, I just look, there's a, there's a thousand different uh, podcast apps these days. So um, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to this, I guess. Mm, definitely. All right. Well, Jim, this has been a lot more of an epic um, podcast than we sort of expected and we planned for when we sat down tonight, um, but there was just a lot to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. All right. Well, until next time, mate. Merry Phantom. Yeah. Until next time, mate. Merry Phantom. This man cannot die. The Phantom. The ghost who walks. The Phantom. Enemies beware. The Phantom's always there. But you won't find the Phantom. He finds you.